Today is Friday, June 21st, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, um, it's a really good episode. Um, of course I'm going to say that. I tell myself when it's not. Today is really good, though. Uh, we, I mean, it's kind of like Ask a Muslim. But um, we get a lot of questions from a Muslim, um, and, and it's a good discussion. You know, it's all the same ones about, I think, the Trinity and, um, uh, you know, one God, yet three God, yet monotheism. Um, Jesus not knowing the day or hour, things like that. Um, anyways, and then we turn it around and civilly, I'm mostly proud of the people in the room, um, ask, ask, uh, the Muslim guy, I forget his name, um, about Islam and some of the questions. So if you want to, uh, you know, I mean, people will answer questions differently, but that's where this goes. So we have a good dialogue for quite a while about his beliefs and parts of Islam that may be a little, eh, I don't know. Uh, to the modern to the modern ear um, in the Western world, we talk about that, <clears throat> and then we go into what's the other thing we go into? Oh my gosh, do you hear beeping right now? My phone's like beeping at me. Like no one wants to talk to me except when I do this. Then it's like beep beep buzz buzz. So you get to bear with me and my scatterbrainness. Um, what's the last thing we talked about? Oh yeah, we go into Jesus baptism. Yeah, and the baptism of Jesus, and how can Jesus be God? Because you know, if baptism is for forgiveness, which it is not. Um, and he was going on the ancient Jewish custom and the Jewish reason for baptism. And anyway, so we talk about that a lot. And it's, it's all, all in all a lot of potentially tensions and people clashing and colliding. But uh, fortunately, we all keep it together in line with the civil discussions, um, even though people aren't always civil. If this phone beeps at me one more time, oh, going to be real uncivil. Anyway, so uh, if you want good dialogue where the tension is building but no one actually completely loses their mind on each other, um, this is the one for you. Um, <clears throat> I, I think my hair, like, grayed a little bit, even though I don't have any hair. Trying to manage it all. Uh, it just beeped again. Oh, my gosh. I can't win. Anyway, so check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon and learn tactics and tricks for how to do what was done here today. De-escalation techniques. Um, it could have just blown up super quick. It probably would have been entertaining, but it wouldn't have been very edifying or beneficial to anyone who's listening. Just like the Bible says, don't quarrel about these worthless genealogies and worthless stuff. It's a cancer and only ruins those who hear. So when people like quarrel and fight about ridiculous minutia, it's no good. So even though it may be fun and entertaining sometimes, we all like to get our popcorn and watch watch the fire, watch the train wreck. It's not edifying. Um, anyway, so I'm proud of us all today. <clears throat> So grab the Ask a Christian book, grab the Ask a Christian t-shirt, go get a coffee mug, whatever, from the Ask a Christian store. We appreciate that. You can share your faith and why you believe it and inspire conversations about Christianity, um, which is increasingly more important, more and more important as the world is getting more and more insane. Um, so it's important to tell people about eternal life in Jesus and share the gospel. Um, great time to do your part for the Great Commission. Also, if you'd like to support us in doing our part to tell people about the internet, on the internet about Jesus and share the gospel uh, from a biblically-based standpoint, click the link and chip us in a dollar or two and um, keep us going. Um, thank you for your support and contributions, and we will see you all next week. Have an awesome weekend, and you can also, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, uh, check out the Ask a Christian Facebook page. Give us a like. It's Ask a Christian. Oh, no, no, no. What is it? Oh, I should know my own stuff. I need a secretary. Um, Facebook.com slash Ask a Christian Podcast. Because all these other things, like called Ask a Christian, apparently all the names are taken, but I can't find them anywhere. Like when you go to like, well, what is just plain old Ask a Christian? They're all like just taken 
or it's like this site's for sale for four thousand dollars. I'm like, huh, well, I'm not doing that. Um, anyways, couldn't if I wanted to. Have an awesome weekend. Happy Friday. Later. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm looking to discuss. You know, whatever you guys want to discuss. Well, if you want me to bring up a topic, I can do that. Sure, go right ahead. Sure. So, um, uh, do you do you believe? Uh, are you a Trinitarian Christian or a Unitarian Christian? Some people would just say Christian, but yeah, for the difference, yes, I believe in the triune nature of God. Ah, uh, okay. Um, my question would be: uh, Do you do you believe? Uh, do you believe that? Uh, Trinitarian Christianity is monotheism? Yes. So, uh, basically, the uh, I'm going to give you some assumptions and just let me know if you hold to that. For example, um, the doctrine as I understand it is that uh, the Father is uh, 100% God, the Son is 100% God, the Holy Spirit is 100% God, uh, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, and there is exactly one God. Do you believe that? Sounds good. Okay. Um, so my question would be that the assumptions, right, uh, right uh, all the assumptions prior to, um, no, sorry, uh, presuppositions, uh, assumptions, presuppositions, I'm not sure what to say, what to call that, but I will, um, I would say that this idea that they are each 100% God and they are not each other necessarily leads to polytheism, which is three gods. I mean, you can view that however you want. I mean, you know, the answer in Christianity is that's just not true. If it was polytheism, we'd be violating our own religion. Even Jesus himself says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. He harkens back to the Old Testament and quotes that, and we believe that. So um, I, I don't, I often am curious by how other people of differing religions or lack of religions just can't quite wrap their head around what, you know, a couple billion Christians have. Um, it, it's just perplexing, but I finally landed on the Bible must be true when it says, uh, you know, I think it, it can be laid out and it can be like, what we what you just said right you you quoted the points exactly how i would uh you know jesus the the father son the holy spirit are all god yet not different gods but the same god each one is not the other but still god you, you said that just how i would say it so intellectually you you quoted back just the trinitarian position but yet you you don't understand it somehow so i think even if someone doesn't believe that jesus is god or in the trinity or something like that they could at least be like, okay, look, I see how you understand it. Let me put on my Christian hat. I, I understand how you view it. I just disagree. But so many times people act like you, we have to be either polytheist or we don't know our own religion or something like that. And I think, you know, maybe the Bible is right when it just talks about man's wisdom is folly and you can only know this stuff through spiritual discernment. Um, and if that's true, then, you know, we're, we're certainly here to ask, I mean, answer questions. This is the whole point of ask a question, ask a Christian, ask whatever you want. Um, but based on my experience, some things may be more helpful than others. So I'd say if the Bible is true, and clearly it's demonstrating itself every day, um, at least in this regard, that people just cannot get our paradigm um, other than like on an intellectual parroting of it, um, which you did a great job of. 
I think, well, then you have to have spiritual discernment. And then the stuff makes sense. And the way to get spiritual discernment, I don't need to preach when I'm almost done, um, is start with Jesus. Start with step one. So start, it's like in Christianity, we get the end from the beginning, and that's eternal life. So the moment we have faith in Jesus to save us, to forgive us, to give us eternal life, he will, and we get the spiritual discernment. Like God himself will like help us discern stuff. And then when we move on to things like, you know, Jesus being fully God and fully man and all these big theological terms, like we don't even need to know these terms. Like you know, before I even started like getting in these discussions and knew all these big terms, like I, I believe this stuff, like it started clicking together and I didn't have anyone to like lead me or guide me. I just read the Bible and with the Bible and God, these are the conclusions I came to. And it was only much later that I learned people have actually come to the same conclusion thousands of years ago and have doctrines and theology and all these like fancy terms for it. And I'm like, huh. All I did was trust God and read the Bible, and I came to the exact same conclusion. Anyway, so I don't mean to I don't mean to waste your time or anything like that. Like this is a good topic, um, but I think it's only going to be beneficial if someone first starts with the ultimate point, which is Jesus, and be reborn, be given eternal life, and then all the stuff like the Trinity. Like how can we follow? You know what seems like three gods on the outside, but Christians are like, no, it's three persons yet one God. Um, anyways, that's all I got. Thank you for that answer. Um, oh, you're, yeah, you're I definitely understood what you're saying. I would say that the... Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Um, I was. Uh, am I still choppy? Uh, I heard that. That's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was uh, just... I, I just wanted to say that um, this, this idea of um, the Trinity uh, logically leading to the idea of three gods has actually been... Uh, been discussed um, a long time ago since its inception. Um, which is, it's it's deemed the lo- Islamic guidance, but just check the chat. That's a response to the LPT that you're quoting right now. It's been dealt with already. And you were still pretty choppy, by the way. I don't know if there's a way to fix that. or. I mean, we heard what uh, you're saying, but it was pretty choppy. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I hear you, but it, I don't know why. I <laughs> actually... Yeah, but just really quick, your LPT you're is correct. Yeah, it is copied. Yeah, so that's a response to the LPT inside the chat. The LPT that you're using is mostly based off a of misunderstanding and misuse of Leibniz's law in the first place. So, uh, as soon as y'all get an understanding of Leibniz's law and identity under Leibniz's law, then we'd be cool. But that paper goes throughout extensively what the LPT tries to point out. So go ahead and read through that and come back with any objections. I I can read through that, but I know that the uh, I know that the answer to the LPT is to count differently, right? No. So instead of for, no, for, no. For, read it. Is this a is this a? Nancy Anson and Tyler's reading? paper, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, is are we dealing with somebody who's like all about Jake the Muslim metaphysician? It's the same LPT the argument talk. we've heard for the last year yeah. or so, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, dude, can you can you go read or look at something besides Jake because Jake has no idea what he's talking about. If you're gonna well, ask you me, can I articulate could, could the you, argument? Uh, the argument that yeah, you're asking you me to articulate. Yes, please. Yeah, the argument that you're trying to articulate is the is of identity versus is of predication pertaining to the three is statements of God it, or Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God. From those three is statements, is it a is of predication or is it an is of identity? And then you run the two NPC dialogue trees for whichever answer they give. 
if they give the relative identity, which gives both of them. There's another NPC dialogue tree down there, but we don't go down those dialogue trees because the fundamental question is based off a misunderstanding and misapplication of Leibniz's law, which is what the paper goes over. So, again, I recommend you read the paper and then try running the LPT again after that. Okay, I'll do that. Um, do you mind if I ask another, a different question? Uh, no, please. <laughs> we, we, uh, we have a habit of running people off when there's no one to take their place. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, go ahead. Sure. And by we, I mean the other people. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Um, so the idea that Jesus, uh, Christ, peace be upon him, is, is God, um, do you, what is your answer to my contention to that, which would be, Jesus being all-powerful and not all-powerful at the same time, resulting in a contradiction. Uh, well, what do you mean by powerful and not at the same time? What example are you pointing to? Uh, so, for example, uh, Jesus. Um, I guess. I guess I'll use um, more specific. I guess I'll use a more specific, a different term, which is all knowledgeable and not all knowledgeable at the same time. The day and hour thing. Correct. That's one of them. I mean, I, I'd love to hear Chris. I've heard him before, but I'll just start with Philippians 2, 6, how it says, you know, Jesus is God in every way, in very nature, Jesus is God. Yet he didn't take advantage of this. Instead, he humbled himself and took the form of a servant. So, I mean, without interpreting or giving a thought or anything, I would just point you to that and say right there, there's more than meets the eye. So you have someone who is totally God, yet they humbled themselves and took a servant. So um, I know Chris has a different uh, maybe view than me, but I'd at least start kicking the can down that road and say, uh, yeah, that. Like just because like Jesus knows everything, is everything, is God, um, he also humbled himself. So also, if you're speaking, also hey, go ahead. I want I wanted to add on, um, not only that, but there's times where you see Jesus publicly manifesting his divine knowledge and power on earth. Like, I, I'm not sure why we always go to the point where he says uh, that it's not his position to know the hour, but ignore all the other examples of his divine knowledge. For example, John 2.25, John 11.43, and John 11.44. On those occasions, those demonstrations of his divinity are directed by the Father, right? But when he had no such directive, he would keep his glory veiled. On all of those occasions, for example, he'd just be obeying the Father's will. Because, again, he said that he always did what, he ple what pleases the Father. Then, in the same way, he said he did not know that he would when he would return, because he's humbling himself and taking that form of a servant that Nate was talking about in Philippians 2. So... No other mortal knows the time of his return. That's only for the Father to know. Jesus would have been voluntarily restricting that knowledge on that point because it's part of Jesus' submission to the Father that we see in the rest of the Epistle of John uh, and his mission essentially to just be living a human life for the most part. And some things, quote-unquote, that looks like Jesus, I guess, best way to put it is, quote-unquote, like, gave up the rights to or whatever would be... Uh, privy during his, like, his earthly ministry and the knowledge of when he would return would be like one of those things. So, including the, like, now that he's exalted in heaven, he would know those things. For example, including the timing of his second coming, he knows all. So, I mean, 
it's not necessarily an A and not A. I think you're making a category error in between so what the A's are. So can you tell me specifically what the A and not A is in the same sense? Because for it to be a contradiction, it's not A and not A. It's A and not A in the same sense, in the same way. That's what it is. Well, well real quick before we get to A and not A, uh, that's the answer to your question. Um, that's how we view that. What are your thoughts on that? And then you can do that A or not A if you want. Yeah, um, I agree with uh, everything you said about what the Bible teaches. Um, but my my issue is more of a like a like a, a logical point, like you were saying, a and not a. A and not a would be the uh, the idea that Jesus Christ um, he he himself he humbled himself. Therefore, is but if he humbled himself, is he still God? Yes. Right. So that's what the a and not a would be. That if you are a god and you are a man at the same time, uh, then you you, ca- you can't be God. Uh, the antithesis of God is limit limits, and human beings are limited. So the A and not A would be limited and unlimited at the same time, even if you humbled yourself. Well, to I mean, to make kind of a Islamic point, um, you know, none can challenge God. God can do whatever God wants to do. Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. So, I mean, you know, who are we to tell, like, if, if God wanted to make himself an ant, um, he could do that. And none could say, no, Allah, you cannot make yourself an ant. You are limiting yourself because then, you know, oh, God could just zap them out of existence. Really? So I would I would defer to the Muslim point that no one can boss God around. God can do whatever God wants to do. Would you uh, agree with that? I think there's another way to approach it as well. It's not only that, but there's a difference in between our worldviews where you don't where you think that the idea of God even coming into creation is preposterous in the first place. So we can I don't understand why you have that viewpoint. But him coming into creation isn't necessarily quote unquote being limited in any sense. Because if you're unlimited, you're never quote unquote limited only by your own voluntary restriction, which is what we've put out. That it's voluntary restriction. In the same way that just because I have car keys doesn't mean that I don't have the ability to drive anymore if I'm not inside the car. I can voluntarily go inside that car whenever I feel like it. I can go inside that car right now if I had my keys, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have the, I've lost the ability to drive, right? Don't, I'm not able to do so anymore. No, because I still have the keys. I can go out and walk out to the car at any time. I haven't lost the ability, I voluntarily restricted myself from driving the car at 24 hours a day. So in that same way, it's not, I'm, I'm able to drive the car and not able to drive the car at the same time. It's I'm able to drive the car. I've restricted myself from driving the car from this period of time. That's it. It's not that it's not an A and not a, or a contradiction whatsoever. And let's get your response in a second, but bubs, um, I'd like to forego your analogy of the car as great as it was. Um, and go for, you know, Jesus and, and his analogy of the car. So like, uh, you know, an example we see of this is Jesus when he says, you know, he could call legions of angels and decimate every single one uh, of the people trying to, you know, murder him on the cross. Yet he didn't. So, I mean, does that mean he's he's limiting himself? Does that mean he's not God? Like he totally could have decimated everyone around him, uh, but he didn't. So that's like, you know, him totally being able to drive the car, yet he restrained himself doesn't make him less a god doesn't mean he couldn't do it but yeah go ahead uh islamic yeah um well i would say that the 
I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so I would say that um, the analogy will be a little tough for me to deal with, but um, what I would say is that if he, uh, like, there are some things God cannot do. For example, God we cannot. Agree we agree. They, he cannot do the logically impossible or contra- things that are contradictory to his nature. We would agree to that. Right. So I believe that uh, God becoming less than God, whichever way you want to do it, whether it's by limiting yourself or otherwise, that this would be limiting God. This would be taking this would be um, taking his his honor, which is a godly honor and reducing it to the to the honor of a of a human being. And what is the, and what is the external factor that's limiting that? The factor that's limiting that is, no, is external factor. Uh, wait, can I just make an overarching point real quick? Like by that sure. logic, that means we we would like have ultimate existence and the complete absence of existence because everything God could logically plausibly do, he would do to the maximum all the time. Like that, I mean, no one's going to agree to that, but that's that's the logical conclusion of what you said. So if God limits himself at all, you're saying that would be a problem for him being God and I mean, I think it's fairly obvious to point out that God limits himself voluntarily all the time. Like even in your view, you believe Allah could probably destroy the entire world a um, billion times over if he wanted to, but he's not. It's so not he's, only he's, that, it's, just, it's a title. Well, well, hang on. Well, well I, I understand, but it's, it still goes like very close to the same place. Like that can't, that has to be said. It shouldn't have to be said, but it needs saying because that, that's like. You're going very, very close to that line. No, it's the same thing as calling somebody most merciful. You can't call somebody merciful if they didn't do something that was deserved in the first place the entire time, right? So, like, we're going to say, like, Allah the most merciful, right? If he's the most merciful, it doesn't doesn't necessarily make sense because he'd be limiting himself from his full wrath and justice. So, that's a limitation, making Allah not Allah anymore. At least in your case, we're following that same standard, which is what Nate's pointing out here. No, I think when I say when I say he's limiting himself, um, what that what that means to me is that uh, he what you're saying is that he is choosing not to enact some of his qualities. But I'm pointing to the nature, right? The nature of God, where he the nature of God is to have all knowledge, and then. To say that he now uh, limited himself to not have all knowledge, well, then that just entails that he is not God anymore. Because does he know that knowledge, or does he not know that knowledge? Well, no, right. You, it, you, hang, oh, hang on. I'm glad you're talking, Chris. I, I want to let you talk because I, I want to hear you talk. But right there, you just said it, right? So instead of like getting into an argument of man's wisdom, um, let's just go back to Philippians two six. And whether you believe it or not, on text it says. Jesus being in very nature God. So, so while you know you're having the conversation you just had, where you're um, you're saying, well, that would mess with the nature of God, and this is would get in fact with the nature of God. The Bible completely contradicts that and says, no, Jesus is in very nature God. So, uh, do, do you get what I'm saying? So, like at that point, the claim in our Bible is Jesus is God. So, the nature of God, Jesus is. So, there has to be some other avenue. Um, like you would have to then say, well, the Bible is corrupted or people didn't know what they were talking about. But you can't say like, you know, Christianity actually doesn't call Jesus God because clearly it, it very using your own words. The very nature of Jesus is God. Um, anyways, go ahead, Chris. Sorry to cut you off. Right. So here's the thing. Jesus takes on 
an additional human nature. This is not a change in ontology for God. Because of who God is and his expression as a triune being, there is no ontology change in God. We believe in an immutable God. Okay, He cannot change. Um, and so what you're contending right now is that there was a fundamental ontological change to God when Jesus took on the human nature. And we would say that is a misunderstanding of the Incarnation. That the Incarnation is not specifically a change to the ontology of God where there's some type of, some type of melding or anything like that. It's that the second, the infinite second person of the Trinity has taken on an additional human nature. That's all. And so when we, when we, and, and there's also some literary things here as well. In Revelation, it talks about there is a name uh, written uh, on his thigh, which only he knows, talking of Christ. Are we saying that the Father has no knowledge of that name? No, of course not. It's a literary device to just show that this is a very specific and important thing. And it's not at all saying that God the Father lacks some knowledge or is somehow not omnipotent. And so the error that we keep seeing, uh, especially when trying to run the logical problem of the Incarnation, um, is that, you know, there's a misunderstanding between economy and ontology. And it's the exact same problem that you guys run into with the LPT. It's simply a misunderstanding of the Christian doctrine to the point where you're strawmanning it and then burning down the strawman. Which, by the way, harkens back to, you know, start with Jesus, start with eternal life, and all these other things. Seemingly, even though I think they should click, apparently do not, unless you have God himself giving you spiritual discernment. Uh, whether you believe it or not, we're getting more and more testable, repeatable evidence of this every single day, it seems like. Uh, but go ahead and respond if you like, Islamic. We'll get to you in a minute, Sham. Sham. Yeah, Sham. Can I share my thought? Right, let Islamic respond real quick. Okay, I'm a mentor. I do preaching. So as wait, hold on. Is... Wait, wait. Whenever I said let yeah. Islamic respond real, real fast, that's what I meant. So let's get Islamic's response, and then we'll come to you. Uh, Islamic, you want to respond real fast, and then we'll get sure. to you. Sure. So uh, the point that you brought up about um, how Jesus, who was fully God, and then adopting a, and then he took on a human nature, um, this is a fundamental change in nature, not that God's nature changed, the God, the, the nature, like the, the God, like uh, God's nature itself changed. I'm saying a change in a way that we added to it, which was the human nature. So okay, uh, I'm saying that, yeah, this would be a change in nature, um, where the, whereas the Bible says God does not change. Okay, uh, let's leave that there real fast so Shem can say whatever he was going to say and then... Okay. On topic, we'll continue. Go ahead. All have a doubt that why Jesus, uh, Jesus have a nature like a uh, humble man, or why he behave like this. We all have a doubt. Uh, if he is a God, or he is the he have the whole, uh, full power, he have glory, and why he behave like that? For that, Bible itself given the answer. In Philippians, while you while you reading the Philippians chapter two, you will you can able to see that. Your attitude means the believer's attitude should be the same as like how Jesus do. And we should be humble like him. We should believe like 
how he showed to us he is a role model for christians we should be like him how he behaved how his manner was how his character was that should be our our attitude for that reason he 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 humbled himself uh, in his first coming and the second coming is like how the judas are expecting which is the he is coming with the glory of god he is going to judge this world so the second coming is the real face of jesus and he is the god there there he is going to reveal that he is the god he having the glory he is wearing the glory of god and there come the real face of jesus so uh, and the reason why jesus came uh, like in a humble man no to fulfill the law he he have an intention with his coming the first coming so he he done it fully and he 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 uh, what uh, he he fulfilled the law and also uh, the the position and the power is and the glory and all thing has given to jesus so the next coming of jesus is the real face of jesus so we are waiting for that time and also do you know uh, i know that many uh, many are uh, debate doing debates with uh, this this topic like uh, who is god is jesus is jesus is the only god then what about islamic and about the other hinduism all other nations like all, all other religions even i i am not from a christian religion okay so uh, why i came to christ is because, only because of the reason uh, i gone behind the study of deception behind this world the deceptions what all deceptions are happening in this world the de- deceptions against science and uh, and also the syllabus which uh, which we which we taught from the school uh, college syllabus and also the uh, other other kind of entertainments like film industry uh, like uh, other kind of entertainments all are hiding the truth of jesus the only in reason why as, yeah yeah i was saying in as much as i understood i believe i agree with everything i i heard um now i'm stick around like i i, I want to give everyone equal time to talk so stick around i i think i agreed with everything you said um but yeah i wanted to get some other people in too uh, like sheep has not said anything yet i'd like to see what they have to say and then yeah let's continue this conversation mm. yeah thank you for your input sham uh sheep what's up yeah thanks for having me uh can you guys hear me i'm always driving so <laughs> i got yes. this connection so um I think what you guys said was amazing, especially what uh, Bob said uh, was good. Um, I just want to add to that, right? Um, just knowing the knowledge of Christ, what he knows and what he understands and what he gives to the Father, the permission, I guess, what he gives to the Father, the allowance to know and to follow. It does not neg- negate the uh, knowledge of Christ not knowing anything or not knowing uh, or being limited to his knowledge. Because if, if, we, if we are to be honest, if we read the scripture, it tells us that after, right after you read that, <laughs> Jesus is telling us what is about to happen uh, when the end comes. Like he, he said, the, the moon will be darkened, it will be red, and at that time you will know me, uh, and I'll be coming like a thief. So like all those knowledge are being denied when people argue based on just for that based on just that verse because if you don't read the whole thing you're always going to miss something for example if Nate write a book i cannot read one verse of one page of the book and conclude that's all the whole book says right that would be that would be uh, dishonest from my side but in order to understand what Nate is writing and saying about 
who I am or who he is, I have to read the whole thing. So in a way, I'll say, I think, I hope those people who come with this argument, like would actually say, okay, read the whole thing and say, okay, there's this thing I see. What does this mean? Rather than, oh, there is this, therefore it means this, right? I think that'll be, uh, I hope that makes sense. Well, it does. And I mean, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, Islamic, since you're kind of outnumbered, I'll, I'll uh, uh, turn the mic back over to you to respond however you like. Um, but I would say I totally agree. And that's why, you know, reading the whole work is important. So the long answer is, you know, read the Bible and all these things. I, I am losing faith, but should make sense naturally and intellectually, even if you don't believe it. Um, because, it, I mean, it's all laid out right there. Um from beginning to end. So you can see in some places, like, like he mentioned right after he says, you know, I don't know this. Then he, uh, he says that he gives all these other prophecies and all these other things that are about that are going to happen in the last days. And also in revelation, you know, 21, he, uh, he's, you know, he declares to be God. So he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. So by the way, if people want to know where Jesus says he's God, it's in revelation 21, like six and seven. Um, so he says all these things and how do you make sense of it? So instead of just skipping around like a few verses, if you read from beginning to end, it makes a lot more sense because you've read the entire body of work. Uh, but the cheat code, if you want a shortcut, it's, you know, at a certain point, stop talking to a bunch of Christians about Christ and, you know, stop watching YouTubes or looking at debates and just pray directly to, which I get this may be hard, especially in your religion where that would be considered blasphemous. But I mean, if you want a shortcut, here's the answer, like pray directly to the Jesus we're talking about. The one who, you know, some are saying like, you know, he didn't know the hour and stuff like that and don't believe he's God. Take a chance. Shout out. Pray to him. If someone's not God, they're probably not going to answer back to you, um, you know, unless we're talking about some other entity. But um, I, I mean, if he was just a person, he's probably not going to be answering back up or giving you spiritual revelation or anything like that. Um, if he does, well, there you go. You've just got the, the shortcut. And now you have the spiritual discernment that we're talking about. And many of these questions just disappear. Because you 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 just know the answers and you understand it, um, I guess through through eyes and ears and wisdom that's not your own. Um, that's what I'd say. But yeah, go ahead, Islamic. Respond to whatever you like. Sure, thanks. Um, I would say that uh, the uh, man, I just had it. Okay, so I was going to say that um, for for God. There we go. So for God, the way we identify God is through His attributes, and if those attributes um, start declining or in any way decline, whether he chooses to do it or not. If he if he reduces his attributes, then logically speaking, he can no longer be God because he reduced his attributes, even though he decided to reduce his attributes. So I, I guess I mean at this point, since you know we're kind of going around, I'd say regardless of any other argument, I'll just default to the scripture. That makes the claim Jesus is God. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess we just have a difference because, you know, you would say whatever you just said um, a few times that if this, then Jesus can't be God. If that, then Jesus can't be God. Yet our scripture outright claims Jesus is God. Um, so I guess that would be the standard. And since, you know, right. we believe it. And, and again, uh, he's misunderstand. You're completely misunderstanding and don't know what the actual doctrine or theology is. And so that's the problem, is that you have a disconnect between what you think you know about Christian theology and what Christian theology actually says. Uh, do you mind pointing out what I've said that's inconsistent with Christian theology?
Uh, you said that God reduces his attributes. I just talked about how God did not make any ontological change to himself. Therefore, he did not reduce any of his attributes. The fact that the human nature is not an ontological change to God would mean that God did not ever reduce any of his attributes. Jesus Christ, this, there's a doctrine called the Extra Calvinisticum that talks about the omnipresence of Jesus Christ, both in the Incarnation and now, uh, well, he's still in the Incarnation, but the omnipresence of Jesus Christ, which is one of the omni-properties, never, ever changed. Again, that would be an ontological change to God. So you keep making this claim that somehow within Christianity, we believe that God reduced his attributes, and that is not true. You're, you're not understanding Christian theology. Uh, well, real quick, we can keep trying to crack this egg, but um, Mackay's here, who also has not spoke yet, so I'd like to see uh, what Mackay has to say. How you doing, Welcome, mate? You're right. uh, Yeah, doing good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. Your picture's a little scary, though, <laughs> but I'm good. That's my happy picture. Huh? That's my happy face. <laughs> happy face, yeah. I hate to see you on a bad day, then. <laughs> that, that's a joke. I, I'm usually a pretty nice guy. Anyways, what's going no, on? No, I, 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 no, I'm only playing around with you. It's because <laughs> you're in the dark, innit? You look angry. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my that's my philosophical PTR. Whenever people are, like go into philosophy, like that's oh. the PTR they get. But yeah, what's up? Oh, Do you have a question or comment? Um, no, I was kind of. I've, this app has done enough to me in the last thirty minutes. I was just chilling because I just come from a room. <laughs> which was like a Quran room and there was like this Muslim girl in there. But bro, something so weird happened where like out of nowhere she was directing like a lot of anger, negative energy towards me and other people in the room. Literally, I felt it. Other people in the room got scared. They literally started praying. What? Wait, yeah, okay. So, like so, um, so it was a Quran reading room and there was a, a Muslim woman who got angry yeah, and, a girl. and got... Like, angry to the point where, what, like, a mixed audience, like, like started shouting, praying? Shouting what, she like... and stuff like that. But it's just how, in the, English? Universe, it's just how the universe works, and it? Negative energy is attracted to positive energy. Everyone, you should know that just from playing with magnets as a kid. Well, interesting. I, I wonder if this room is on replay. So, um, so what was the result? Did you just leave when everyone was praying and she was screaming and yelling? And what was it about? What made her so angry? Out of curiosity. Oh, she has that animosity against men. She's a smiley girl. And she Wait, just has some animosity against men that she's holding on to. And it's, a lot of it is based on that. She has this anger. Something probably happened to her in her life. And she's well, holding I mean, on to her anger. I'm, I'm not a Quran expert, but um, Islamic. Would it, um, it would be a problem if you're a, a female Muslim and you had an animosity towards men. Right, that that would not work well for her, right? Yeah, I think that's can. a problem for anyone. The opposite man. sex cannot have animosity towards the, uh, you know, the opposite sex. Well, are you saying they cannot by faith, but if one gets lost on their path, would one then be in well, corruption where they need to be back on Dean, if that makes sense? So, you're not you're not a perfect human just because you become a Muslim. It's a maintenance game. You know what I mean? No, no one's no one's going to be perfect, uh, no matter what. Um, but, but uh, in in Islamic theology, what God is looking for is that you're, you know, you tr you work in harmony with the opposite sex, and 
um, be respectful to each other, even if you differ in your opinion. Well, I'm not surprised because Islam does benefit in, and I'm talking in terms of from what I've seen in my own personal experience, a, a quantitative amount, a, ben, a lot of women reap the benefits from Islam more than the men. And I'd say that and get that inclination because even in the Quran, it says those closest to Allah are the ones who weep. And I've noticed that the weeping people, especially if they're Muslim, they usually seem like they're closer to God. From my perspective, I've got a verse for it that corroborates it. I think it's... Um, yeah, the Quran, Quran. The Quran basically said the closest to Allah are those... Um, there's there's several uh, verses uh, that says the closest to uh, Allah differentiates people people's worth by their level of devotion to Him. Oh yes, verse one hundred nine, uh, Surah Al Isra. So it literally tells you uh, you should weep still, but it's, and weeping it means like the emotional person who lets out their heart open and cries and stuff like that. Gets sure, a bigger blessing. Sure, by weeping, uh, they, uh, what God is saying is when you think about the glory of God, this should cause you to, to weep because of, of how great he no, is and his favors upon humanity. So, for no, example, it like, it's it. not just so, – so, for Read example, it's not it, – it, hang on. Is this where it would be like ontological weeping or oh, weeping? Like, for example, like you wouldn't get – you wouldn't be necessarily closer to Allah just because you were weeping. In, in, like the way you would be closer to Allah is what you're saying is – because of your like love and devotion to Allah, so if you're weeping because of that, you would be closer to Him, not just the totality of weeping because like you're in a dungeon in chains, correct? Yeah, like if, if they were weeping for for that. Uh -huh. well, Go on. No, 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 that's all. I was just wondering, like, so it's, no, it's because of your devotion to Allah, not because so, you know, um, people are. Abusing. No, I would say. Oh, I would just say, from my understanding, with religion, religion is. It's not just something that a book that you read. It's it's attributes and things you apply to your lifestyle, and you become a certain way of being in nature. Correct. So, like in certain religions, people get rewarded for doing certain things. It's like to me talking about a Christian. I've seen Christians get rewarded for acts of righteousness and stuff like that, and then I see a Muslim brother or sister get rewarded for humbleness and opening the like maybe they weep and stuff. They let their emotions out, whatever. They get rewards for that. I've seen a Hindu person get rewards for um, meditation and sacrificing their time for spiritual practices and things like that. Do you get what I mean? I've seen yeah. all different types. But it's not all just about weeping and stuff. This is just a, a small part. The Quran yeah, it's just one thing. It's, it's okay yeah. to talk about one thing. One yeah, sure. The, the, the totality of it is you is um intention and action the quran repeatedly says the people who uh believe in allah and do good deeds meaning and they have good actions they are the ones who will get god's forgiveness well um in, in chat what? rev rev say hang on um revs doesn't look like elijah i don't know if we know what elijah looks like um we know what moses looks like you know did you see that thing where they 3d rendered it and uh moses looks like hulk hogan but um anyways he says i should call some bearers um, this is how i know I can't be trusted with the power of Elijah and Elisha uh, because I would absolutely misuse that power. Therefore, God will not give me any such power. Um, That's but good. hang on, uh, CEO and Lil Deer were uh, were next. I want to see what they have to say. Real quick. Uh, CEO, uh, welcome. Yeah, morning. Yeah, I just want to understand. I mean, so with women in Afghanistan and how badly we're treated, or is one of you trying to say that that makes them closer to Allah? 
So if someone could clarify to me treatment of women in Afghanistan and how that fits into your comments. Well, that was what I was asking. Is it weeping because just the totality? Well, anyways, yeah, same question. That's the question I had. Uh, Islamic, do you want to speak to that real fast? Sure, I think uh, you already did, but just to clarify for CEO. Sure. So um, I just wanted to clarify. So he said that how do we, um, uh, you know, rectify or uh, join together the treatment of women in Afghanistan and Islamic principles? Is that what you're asking? I'm asking how does it make what you someone said something about women are closer to a law. And I just wanted to understand that comment in the context of how women are being treated in Afghanistan. Well, I don't think the, the Quran says women are closer to Allah. What I can say no, is, I, uh, not the Quran. what's that? No, I'm saying oh, okay. I he said that, he, think, he thinks that. That gave, was his opinion. I gave the verse to why I said it as well, because it literally says it in the Quran. And I said women from what I see, my okay. perspective. No, the, the Quran doesn't say that women in general are closer it to Allah. It doesn't say women. It says those who weep. I told you the verse. I literally told you the verse. We yeah, weep. So yeah. You must have never read it. Yeah, those who weep in conjunction, in conjunction with those who good deed, do good deeds. Uh, but yeah, CEO, that was, that was so, so as far as I gathered, I wondered that too. If it's just like people who weep for any reason, because they, I mean, you know, because they, they hit their, you know, they hurt themselves or they break an arm and they weep. Does that mean they're closer to Allah? Like, you know, and, and God says, you know, he's near to the brokenhearted. So that kind of is all encompassing. It's not, you know, God is close just because people are close to him. That is true, but also close to the brokenhearted. So like, you know, the oppressed, the people who, uh, you know, are, are, you know, being beaten and abused and stuff like that, you know, God is close to the brokenhearted. Um, so I, I think that's the best way to compare it to what we were talking about, Correct. which is not the case. It, it was saying like God, uh, you know, Allah in Islam is is close to those who, who weep because of their dedication and devotion to him, not necessarily the totality of weeping. So, for example, like you said, they were mistreated in Afghanistan. Um, they wouldn't be. Uh, OK, let me just I don't mean to be offensive, but to, to cut to the chase, if someone is a sex slave and they're crying because they're being whipped and beaten and raped every day, they're not necessarily closer to Allah because they're crying for that. But if they were crying because they were dedicated and devoted and meditating and thinking about Allah, that's the kind of weeping that would make them closer to Allah. No, so it, it would be more that uh, that verse about weeping is uh, in context of, you know, uh, divorce to Allah. But what you're talking about is if someone is abused, right, and that person who is abused uh, asks God, right, and that person has a good relationship with God, that person will ask God to remove him from this from this hardship, or is going to, you know, uh, stuff like that, or is going to turn to God in moments of hardship. Those are the people who are closest to God, because they are going through hardship, and yet they, they still are, uh, they still love their God. They understand that it's not God who's doing this to them, that it's someone else who has disobeyed God who is doing this. Yeah, I think that's yeah i think that's as, as good as we can clarify it does that make sense to you i, I think we at least yeah, understand but, what everyone is saying but it's also dangerous right i think it's just kind of a dangerous thing to highlight it's like hey well yeah y'all are being treated badly but you're closer to allah just keep well praying well i mean, you you can, I mean well i mean i can see how that could be misused i mean i mean that's well also in islam you're not allowed to harm yourself in any way. You're not allowed to put yourself in situations where you think you're going to be harmed. You're not allowed to do that. But oftentimes we don't make that decision. 
oftentimes other people make that decision for us and put us in harm's way. And when that, that person who is put in harm's way, not by their own choice, they, that person turns to God, then those people are closer to God because they have had to endure worse things than other people have had to endure. So God is closer to them. So would that be like kind of how, like when, you know, I mean, in whatever countries, like, you know, that are Islamic or whatever, the country law says, like, you know, you, you can't go outside, uh, you know, without like, you know, the hijab or being covered or whatever with a male relative. Um, you would say like that would be an example of if someone knows that and knows they're like breaking law and bad things are going to happen if they do that. If they disregard the law and go ahead and go out uncovered or go ahead and go out by themselves, then they are putting themselves in harm's way. So if something bad happens to them, then that doesn't count because they knowingly put themselves in harm's way. Is that correct? Not necessarily, because um, if if a woman does not wear hijab, then that's a sin. The wisdom of the hijab is so that that person doesn't get objectified and then that which could lead to harm. Um, but if someone so doesn't no wear hijab, themselves in harm's way. So what would happen is it would be counted as a sin, but even but what hijab is, it's a it's a uh, layer of protection for the woman. This does not give an excuse to the man to to harm a woman if she is not covered. Right. That woman, even if she is not covered and she gets harmed, she will. Um, God will, you know, um, you know, hopefully she learns that as a lesson for why she should follow God's rule. But nevertheless, God is going to, um, you know, love this woman uh, even, you know, more than before, because she had to go through some type of hardship, even though she disobeyed God in something. Maybe she didn't understand it. Maybe she was, you know, whatever. So she went through that hardship. But that does not give the right for a man to abuse a woman or someone less fortunate if that woman is not uncovered. Is that that woman? Is so then, so kind of like a so kind of like a two wrongs don't make a right type thing. So then, they the, both did something so then the um, the Islamic police in Saudi Arabia or in um, Iran. I understand there's a Sunni and Shiite difference there, but there are still the the same type of morality police when they see a woman not wearing a hijab and they strip her naked and then beat her half to death. Are those men following the Quran or are those men outside of Allah's teachings? They are completely outside of Allah's teachings. 100%. So in that case, like everyone is sinned, right? Like the woman for being uncovered, the men for beating her past whatever they yeah, should be beating her. Correct. Correct. This okay. is, so, uh, so beating her is okay. It's just not an excessive beating of her. No, I mean, that's why I kind of hedged because I actually don't know. So like what, what is, I know everyone, I mean, there'll be different interpretations, but like, as far as you see it, like what, what does Islam allow for like the, the penalty for that? Like um, a, a public, like public spectacle or like a light beating or like what, I actually don't know. Like what does your opinion, what does Allah allow for? Like a light beating or a stern talking to like what, what's the penalty for going out uncovered? Well, first of all, the uh, uh, going out uncovered in Saudi Arabia is completely normal. Like women don't cover up in Saudi Arabia a lot. Uh, there are people who are of other religions in Saudi Arabia, Christians and stuff like that, who don't follow any Islamic law and nothing is done to them. The um, okay. Saudi Arabia does not live under a Sharia law. Okay, so like the places, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So like the places like Chris's example where you said, no, you couldn't beat her, but it seemed like there was some penalty. So wherever, whatever countries that happens and Islam is, is their justification for it, what is the correct penalty? Like, can you like 
beat them lightly or just yell at them or like house arrest them for a few days? Like what, what is the justified penalty that is not sinful? Um, uh, I have to, I have to double check what the penalty is, but I believe that it was jail time. Um, I don't think it involved any kind of beating or harming, but I have to double check. Well, okay. I, I would be interested they, if you, uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> majority of the that... things he, uh, well, hang on, see you was first, and then I, I want to talk to Will real fast, but go ahead and see you and make your point. Yeah, so my concern is that, like, listening to this, it kind of informs me how the Taliban was able to be in charge of Afghanistan for so long and seemingly be able to justify it, because I can imagine what they were telling women and how they were justifying it, listening to some of this theology. That's my concern. Uh, Will Deer, what's up? You've been up here for a while. Did you have anything to say about this or anything? Yes, I sure did. I was going to read a hadith, uh, or actually a surah. So in surah 434, men are in charge of women by what Allah has given one over the other and what they spend from their wealth. But those from whom you fear arrogance advise them. And that was not proven, just that you fear that their arrogance advise them, forsake them in bed and beat them. And in the Arabic, it is definitely beat them. So this is directly from the Quran. Just wanted yeah, to Yeah, it doesn't that. say that. It's, you, um, said, okay, well, you said that it, it uh, that you should uh, advise them, uh, forsake them in bed and beat them. No, uh, what it says is, uh, if you fear arrogance, meaning like they're they're going against Islamic law, then you can advise them not to go against Islamic law, and then you wait, and then if the behavior doesn't change, then don't sleep in the same bed with them, and then you wait, and then if it still doesn't change, you're allowed to. It's called darb, okay? Darb means like when you when you strike something, means you strike it without leaving a mark. You strike you strike it without leaving any kind of uh, physical, um, phys, uh, you know, physical harm like bleeding or anything like that. It cannot be, it cannot, it's not, you, you're saying beating. It's not, it's not beating. What it is, so like it's like, it's, you would it's, give com a child? it's comparable. It's comparable to like a spanking on the, on the back, something like that. Yes. But so, it is not, you're not allowed to beat your wife under any circumstance. So we can all agree that it's some sort of physicality. Correct. Uh, uh, I have a hadith that goes along with that also, um, and it explains it even better. I yeah, honestly, I don't have a dog in this fight. I mean, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But I am, I am curious since uh, you know this is the the topic. I mean, we may as well chat about it. And by the way, if anyone else listening does have a, a question or anything, uh, jump up on stage or type it in chat, and we'll get to that. But you know, since since this is currently the topic of the day, I'm just I'm just rolling with it. So, yeah, Islamic, I don't mean to, like, put you on the spot or anything, so as long as you're good at no problem. having this back and forth, it's enlightening. <laughs> so I, I put an article... I put an article by Human Rights Watch about Saudi Arabia as recently as 2020. Um, maybe they've had radical reforms the past three years, but they have been um, jailing women, uh, beating them and raping them in prison for not wearing the hijab. Um, all, all kinds of things like horrendous torture, um, all sorts of things in, in Saudi Arabia. So, um, the idea that Saudi Arabia somehow has some type of religious freedom is, is, um, 
at best propaganda. Could you post the link? And by the way, could everyone like yeah, it, uh, it's go posted ahead and like post your, like? Oh, okay, yeah, I'll just like post your sources so everyone can check those out. You can't yeah, even be a shallow. I meant to address that, Chris. You're, you're, you're correct. Uh, they have had some changes, though, the last couple of years. So what he said wasn't completely like wrong. Like driving? But he did overblow it a, uh, a significant amount because these are brand new reforms in the last couple of years. So your article is correct, and he is somewhat correct, but these are brand new reforms. He communicated it as though like they've been that way for decades. So it was that was a little disappointing. Uh, Evan, what's up, Evan? I was just going to say that you can't even be a Saudi citizen without being a Muslim. You can't be a citizen if you're not Muslim. A Christian cannot be a citizen of this of Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, no, oh, Islamic, by the way, what do you do? You mind like what what region of the world are you in? I'm wondering if you're like familiar with any of these cultures or countries, or if you're um, far removed from it. Yeah, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm, uh, my parents are originally from Bangladesh. If in Pennsylvania the, they decided to come out with a law that said Muslims are worth half the value of a non-Muslim, would you agree with that? Well, what I, Islamic. Would, say, what I would say is that religion and God is number one and that his laws are better than the laws that human beings can come up with because they lead to a better society. So if it would be fair... Do you think it would be fair if a government came out or a government came out and said that Muslims' lives were worth half that of non-Muslims' lives? It's a pretty simple question, my friend. It depends on the it depends on the context that you're talking about. If it's under if we're living under a Christian law and Christian law said that that's that should be the case, then I have no problem with that because they're trying to preserve the Christian law. So if you have an if you have a place that values Islamic law, but at the same time they don't really follow all the Islamic laws, and then they say by not following Islamic law, and then they say that this person's worth half as much as this person, then that would be wrong. But if you have a if you have a a state that is that implements Sharia law, and they say that the people who are Muslim, again, it's not a race thing, it's a religion thing, people who are Muslim get preference, that is only because they are trying to preserve the Islamic law. And, and so you are under is, that, is, that a yes, is that a yes or a no? Do you, if you think it's fair that some groups are put below other groups, I said yes. If the government the came out, Islamic, Islamic or any other adult in the room, uh, if your country came out and said that your life was worth half that of other people's lives, would you think that is fair? Can somebody answer me honestly? I think your analogy honestly? is really flawed, man. He's and I think I pointed that out. If it's Christian law, he's saying it was fair. If it's Christian law, he says Well, so I think, so here's, here's more maybe more of a sticky issue, right? So, you know, the, the Muslim is the Ummah, right? Like the worldwide Muslim community. Is that correct? Uh, what, could you repeat that again? So like the, the, the idea of the Ummah, right? The worldwide Muslim community, that's a, that's a concept in Islam. Is that correct? Yeah, the Muslim Ummah refers that, right? to the believers, yes. Okay. So then when Saudi Arabia just a couple of years ago executed... 37 men, 33 of which were Shia on trumped up charges, but basically executed them because they were Shia. Would that have been just? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
This, like I said, Saudi Arabia does not live under Sharia law. No, it literally does. That, like, that it's literally no, they, are, they do not. But I mean, look, I posted an actual link with sources. If you have something to contradict that, knock yourself out. But there's no written penal code in Saudi Arabia. They do not have statutes. They have Sharia law as a basis for their law. That is literally from Saudi Arabia saying that. So if you're going to contend that Saudi Arabia does not live under Sharia law, then you're going to have to back that up with some type of source. Sure. So does um, uh, in Islamic law is interest allowed? Um, no, there's banking? lots of ways that the Islamic world has worked around that. So there is no working around that. Interest is either uh, either have it or you don't, and there is no working around it. And they have it. They they have interest interest banking. They have ha they celebrate Halloween, which is a pagan holiday. Uh, they uh, there's there's so many things that are not that's what i'm saying they have elements they choose they pick and choose which elements of sharia law they want to implement so it is not a sharia state so, it's, a, a sharia so it's no true scotsman it's because they don't follow all of the things about sharia law that you think they should or that maybe other muslim scholars think they should but that they have the their own version of sharia law so it's no true scotsman is that so it's no true sharia I don't know what you mean by no true Scotsman, but I will say that the Quran ex explicitly prohibits uh, explicitly prohibits uh, interest. Alcohol, alcohol is free flowing in in, in, in Saudi Arabia. Alcohol for is Muslims, right? Wait, Muslim for everybody. Right. No, for everybody. It's what in Saudi Arabia? You're lying. You're uh, lying. No, that so is my. Not true. No, that okay. is not true. Okay, hold on, hold on. You're getting United Arab Emirates mixed up with Saudi Arabia. I go to this part of the world quite often, and the biggest issue Saudi Arabia has in terms of becoming like Dubai is they don't allow you to drink alcohol. It's the biggest thing holding them back from their tourism. So you are dead inaccurate. So I'm inaccurate when I say that alcohol is legally uh, sold in Saudi Arabia. You are not able to drink it in public, are you? Are you able to drink okay, alcohol? Okay, okay, fine. Uh, but Islamic law doesn't say that you're not allowed to drink alcohol in public. Islamic law says that you're not allowed to drink alcohol. Period. But doesn't that? But doesn't that? I mean, again, this is not like attack the Muslim day or anything. But like, isn't that just an interpretation of Sharia law? Because I mean, the 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 Wahhabists and those types of folks in Saudi Arabia, they see everything that they're doing as according to Islamic law. They're not explicitly breaking Islamic law. In fact, they have, um, you know, rulings from their imams that show that Saudi Arabia is 100% compliant with Islamic law. Would they not? So all I'd have to do is uh, show them a verse of the Quran that says, alcohol is the mother of all evils. What indication does that give to you? Yeah, so, well, so Chris, 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 there's, a way, there's a way around this. Just, let's just call them Sharia law adjacent. No, there, there is no such... <laughs> There's no such thing as Sharia law adjacent. Well, it's either Sharia law or not. And you're, okay. I know what you're saying. There are multiple interpretations, but there's no, there are no multiple interpretations for the Quran saying alcohol is the mother of all evils and interest banking is explicitly prohibited. Well, would you say, I mean, this is like, would you say this is kind of how, again, don't mean to be offensive. I mean, it's not my fault that, you know, there's so much controversy surrounding this. But, um, I mean, is that how, like, people like Human Watch places before would have, like, said, 
uh, how, you know, all, all the temporary marriages that basically allow um, sex slavery to thrive. And then, like, you know, Muslims will say, well, no, the Quran forbids this type of thing. Um, but then, like, some would point to a loophole saying, well, your, you know, your religion forbids this type of thing, yet uh, it permits, like, some sort of thing like a, a, that would allow for temporary marriages, how you can basically take someone uh, to a magistrate, get a temporary marriage, and then, you know, quote, have sex with your wife um, when the practical application is that someone who's been forced to take the vows or whatever of, of Islam um, so they can be a temporary wife to be to have sex with. But the way everyone else in the entire world sees that is it's a sex slave. Is it one of the things that would be considered like a loophole like that by some people? I, whether or not you think they're, they're being correct or get it right or get it wrong, is that the argument? Is that how other people would see it as a loophole? I mean, people justify... From, like, the infidel's perspective. Um, I'm not entirely sure what you're asking. I think... Um, could, do you mind... Uh, do you mind clarifying? Uh, yes. So, I, I'm trying to, like, you know, hedge, because I don't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> but, um, okay, so, like, if people accuse, like, Islamic countries or people or say that, you know, sex slavery is allowed in, in Islam, and then you have Muslims saying, no, it's absolutely not allowed, but then what you actually have happen is... The accusation is one people say sex slavery is allowed in Islam, and the Muslims say no, it is not. But then what happens is they will get uh, a woman, the accusation is under like threat of force or death or violence, to go to a local magistrate with them and like, you know, take, take the vows or, you know, like do whatever you need to do to like convert to Islam. Like they'll have them like recite a script. So the magistrate says okay and gives them a marriage license. So it's like a temporary marriage. So then the Muslim would say, no, they're just having sex with their wife. But the accuser would say, no, they forced this woman to say she's a Muslim so she can get temporarily married. And when they say they're having sex with their wife, that's really having sex uh, with someone who's a rape victim sex slave. Did that clarify? I think so, yeah. So basically what you're asking me is uh, are people are trying to look for loopholes around the idea that you can't have premarital yes. sexual relations. Um, and... Well, I mean, the the problem is, uh, yeah, there is no <laughs> so for so for uh, forcing someone to marry you is an illegitimate marriage in the sight of is in the sight of Islam. Uh, this so is completely not mm -hmm. okay. So, so what you're saying, and I, I mean, I think I know the answer. Um, because who's going to say we're for for sex slavery, right? So, uh, okay, so what you're saying is, if there was a Muslim who, um, you know, got one of these women off a boat. Um, and said, threatened them and said, hey, you're going to, you know, take these vows, say you're a Muslim, let me get married to you and, you know, have sex with me. And they say, if you don't, I'll kill you, I'll beat you, I'll torture you. Um, then you would say, Islam would say, that guy sinned and that is not permitted. You would not say, Correct. well, yes, that's a very clever loophole. Yeah, there is no. So, so the Quran actually uh, warns, or sorry, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, warns about this. He says that people in the future are going to take what's not allowed and then turn it and then turn it around and try to make it allowed. And people are going to try to take things that are allowed and turn it around, and make it and make sure it's not allowed. So, this is this is just what's happening exactly as outlined by the Prophet Muhammad. So, um, okay. these loopholes, there, there, there's no such. I mean, it's explicit, right? Okay, the Quran then. is explicit. And then my last my last follow up would be so what you're saying since this is you know obviously an issue in the world um, and it's a lot of people who are espousing Muslims or say they're Muslims or in Muslim countries or, or whatever um, you would say 
if you would if Islam would say, according to you, that that's forbidden, that's a sin, don't do that, but lots of people are engaged in this who say they're Muslims, you're saying lots of people who claim they're Muslims are doing a whole lot of sin that the Quran forbids, so perhaps they're not really good Muslims and they're they could have a problem with Allah. Would that be correct? Um uh, in in a sense, but I don't know what you mean by a lot of Muslims. The the majority of Muslims are Sunni. I think it's about ninety percent. Uh, and that's what I am with Sunni, and we completely reject that idea of these loopholes and of any kind of forced marriage or or sex slavery. There is, first of all, there is no such thing as sex slavery in Islam. There is slavery in Islam, um, which is uh, in the context of all the above. Yeah, please, Nate. Well, it's chapter four, well, verse twenty-four. It does allow your sex captives to be taken as wives, and their husbands are still alive. He's absolutely me? not telling the truth. Uh, okay. Okay, so Sorry, you, you just it's have true. a huge misunderstanding, it, it, dude. Let me tell you. Let me clear it up. Let, let me clear it up for you. So, uh, can you read that verse? Yes, yeah, it's, it's chapter four, verse twenty-four of the Quran. Married women are are are. Uh, not permissible except those your right hand possess. Now we yes. have the Sunni. Well, hold on. Well, you said you're Sunni, so this is really damaging because the tafsir here says that the men disliked having sex with these women because, in most of the instances, they knew their husbands and their husbands were still alive. And Allah allows this loophole to have sex with married women. Their their husbands yeah, aren't just merely so, dead; they're so, married. So what what happens, right? Uh, you know, back then, what happens is when you go through a battle, uh, one side wins, and the side that wins, right, and the side that loses, the number of the number of males that have died is significant, which leaves that group susceptible to any other group coming in and completely decimating the rest of them. So Islamic law says that you are permitted to take uh, s servants, slaves, men and women, and and to acclimate them into your homes, and if you if you if they agree, you can marry them. These, these are and married acclimate women, them into friends. your society. Sorry, these are married. These Correct. Are married these are married, and that's what happens them. when you. That's what happens when you lose a battle, right? When you lose a battle, there is, uh, there are things that you gain from the battle. So, so there's a so there's a loophole here that's uh for committing adultery, right? There's a loophole to committing adultery. Right. Right here. Uh, Okay, so I see, I see, I see what you're saying. The that um, you know, you're having he's having sex with unmarried women, but I wouldn't call that a loophole. I'd say that was an exception because of the circumstance. Okay. Do you, did you get my yeah, example these, of these, how? Right. Are these women married? I don't. Yeah, no, some okay. of them might be married. Yeah. Well, you're okay, so, somebody, so, so Islamic, I, I, Islamic actually has a point here because you're mixing Christian perspective with uh, the Quran. So the Quran is saying that this is okay, this exception is okay. So you can't technically call it adultery because in the Quran it is not. So according to them, this uh, is not adultery. Uh, no, CEO, because the God so of the Quran. Wait, hold on just a religion. second. The, the God of the Quran claims to be the God of the Torah, CEO. So we're, we're combining all three religions here. So once uh, the God of once the God of the Quran stamps his name on the Torah, we would we'd expect him to be consistent and not prescribe abominations. No, no. So um, the Quran claims that the Torah and the Injil, which was given to Jesus, uh, has been corrupted over time. The book chapter so and verse. When you, 
What's that? Well, we've we've done a good job. I mean, I'm I'm in my I'm I'm out right now. I mean, I I can definitely do that, but not. I mean, it's really easy. You can just Google Quranic verses about this subject, and it'll come right up. My friend, I don't need to Google it. I'll hear. I'll steal man your position. Your chat. You're referring to chapter two, verse seventy nine, that says, "Woe to those that exchange or uh, write the verses uh, from Allah with their hands and exchange them for a small price." This was a very small group of people that were selling uh, uh, supposed scripture to ignorant Arabs, friend. I, I know the Quran very well. No, so that so that verse, okay, so that verse is referring to that's one of the verses. There's another verse in the Quran which says the Quran is al-muhaymin over the so, uh, over what uh, the Christians have with them and the Jews have with them. That's chapter five, verse forty-eight. Do you know what, right. you know so, what al-muhaymin means? Yep. So this is chapter five, verse forty-eight, and this the al-muhaymin here was uh, the Quran was protecting the Torah and the Gospel in chapter five, verse forty-three to forty-seven, by making the Christians and Jews judged by the Torah and the Gospel. This is how the Quran was guarding the previous scriptures. The way the Quran guards the previous scriptures is by giving you, uh, giving you alternate, the alternate stories that are contained within the gospel and within the Torah. So, for example, uh, the uh, the gospel accuses, um, sorry, the Torah accuses uh, Prophet Suleiman of becoming a polytheist towards the end of his life. The Quran comes and clears that up and says. Salman, it was not Salman, Suleiman who disbelieved. It was the people around him who disbelieved. So the Quran is saying it's al-Muhaymin over those, over what you have today, because some of the stuff is misinformation. Yeah, that's yeah, Kevin. Okay. So I just want to say, Nate, um, interestingly, Travis is triggering me because he's coming off to me like a atheist against a Christian. And I think like Islamic is arguing the perspective of what the Quran is saying on it. And so to the Quran, it's not adultery. I don't understand, Travis, well, well, how you are well, interpreting Hang on, here, here Dr. Phil. Yeah. So what is it? What hang is on, adultery stop, stop, by definition? Stop, stop. Hang on. Stop, stop. I was going to say, I invite some more people up if anyone else has another question. I appreciate you, Islamic, for being a good sport. Uh, but we, I mean, I, I, this entire conversation has been almost like questioning a Muslim. Um, I would love to shift gears if we can for a little bit. So sure, thank everyone. Sorry, I, I do have this well, yeah, I was going to say, thank everyone to this point for being civil. Let's keep it going. But what, Islamic? Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say that I do have to go, but I'm, I'm very happy that they asked me questions. I'm, I'm always up for answering all of these questions, and uh, I'll be back, but I do have to get to work. Um, I'll be back tomorrow if you guys are still going to be on. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday, I won't be here, but we'll be back here Monday, usually Monday through Friday around this time. Nate, okay, I'll, I'll join when I can. And I always welcome, you know, all of your criticisms of, of Islam. I always welcome. Can I finish up on the adultery thing real quick, Nate? So the, the uh, people sounded like you had to go, but yeah, go ahead and say what you wanted to say. Yeah. So the, the people here in this Quran verse were upset. Their conscience was bearing witness that what they were doing was wrong. We disliked having sex with these women because we knew their husbands and we knew that they were married. Their husbands were still alive. So the Quran verse was was revealed. Oh, you can go ahead and have sex with these married women. So saith Allah. But the definition of adultery, CEO, as triggered as you are or not, it doesn't matter. We know what adultery means. And, and we know a, if. Well, I just have two clarifying questions and then I want to talk to Nick real fast. But OK, so are, are we saying like <clears throat> I don't even know if the, whose side this is going to be on. Here's just some questions in my head. OK, so if it says you can have sex with married women, um, if they were married women and their husbands just died in battle, that would make them not married. 
Um, so could that be um, something we're talking about? It, no. And then if they dis, and then well, the last thing, and then if the guys disliked having sex with them, um, wh- who forced them? Like, could, if they disliked having sex with them, couldn't they just be like, "I'm not going to do that"? Like, was someone forcing them to have it? Yeah, have be- sex with them? yeah, because we know one of the war strategies of Muhammad was to outbreed everyone, right? Yeah, he prevented coitus interruptus from pulling out and finishing on the floor and things like that. So, yeah, so um, uh, th- this wasn't uh, this wasn't merely their husbands died because they're te- nobody's technically married in any religion if their husband dies, right? Uh, and, and and the chief complaint here was we we know their husbands we know they're married you know these these women were still married this goes against the Torah the Torah that the God of the Quran says that he authored right this is in direct violation of any uh, uh when when you capture somebody in the Old Testament a, a woman is set free right she she takes off the clothes of her captivity you put her in her, your clothes uh you shave her hair she mourns her parents for 30 days she's free to come and go she's a free woman right and islam uh married women are uh forbidden for you except those whom your right hand possess married women uh nick what's up nick hey not much how you doing uh, good, good. Anything on your mind? Question, comment? Uh, I mean, I was just surprised that, um, what was his name? The the guy who was on there a moment ago who uh, had to leave Islamic, that yeah. there was a defense from a, uh, from a, from, I know he was saying it from an Islamic standpoint, but like just from hearing what it says in the Quran or reading what it says in the Quran where it talks about, you know, uh, we're supposed to judge by our by our faiths and whatnot like that or by what's been revealed revealed by Allah and then the claim is that Allah revealed these what Judy uh what would have been Judaism and Christianity to um the different groups that he's defending that he was able to defend adultery was very concerning to me. That was just yeah, yeah, so let me, very surprising. So let, me, so let me speak to that. So let me speak to that. So I think it is adultery, right? However, in, in the Quran, it is saying it is an exception to adultery. Then I interpret it from the Quran's perspective as an exception to adultery. It doesn't mean I agree with it, but that is what the book is saying. Now, Travis's point about, well, Allah wrote all these books. I mean, I almost, Travis, am forced to dismiss that because... There's so many things in the Quran that differ from the Torah and the other teachings that how could anyone take that point, that perspective seriously? I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that already doesn't align. So as Christians and Jews were commanded to judge by the Torah and the gospel, and we would judge here rightfully in saying that this is an is is an adultery CEO. Yes, and 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 I'm even wondering like. well, it sounds like everyone's like pretty much agreeing except on the technical definition. And I mean, you know, that's I mean, that's why like it was like for me, I, I mean, you know, it's just a personality difference. But I mean, you know, that's why I was just letting, you know, letting the guy talk. I wasn't really pushing back because, I mean, what he was I mean, what he was saying was great from my perspective, because, um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, digging a hole a little deeper. I'm like, I, I mean, I I can't believe, you know, someone's defending, you know, adultery and right. sort of sex slaves, even though we right. didn't say and that. So it's like, well, 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 hang on. So it's like, I, you know, oh, I didn't sorry. feel a need to like, I didn't feel a need to kind of like rub his face in it. I'm just like, well, yeah, I mean, keep talking, buddy. 
Um, and then, you know, I'm like looking at chat and everyone's like, I can't believe he's defending sex library right now. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't need to like, you know, be like, look what you're doing. You disgusting devil. I'm like, no buddy, like here's more rope. Just keep, keep on winding around your neck. I'm like, I mean, and of course, like, you know, no one's like the greatest apologist of their day. There's always someone better um, to make a better argument. But I mean, you know, this is someone who seems to be a sincere, ardent representative of, the, of his faith. So I'm like, well, you know, just keep talking all you want. I mean, you know, we'll let it see. And like, if someone says it's not technically adultery or it is technically adultery, I mean, the bigger thing is, is, I mean, I just think people like the ones listening, the ones in chat have the presence of mind to, to be like, okay, well, if someone's stabbing you in the face with a screwdriver and they're telling you, oh, no, no, you misunderstanding. I'm not really stabbing you in the face with a screwdriver. Okay, call it what you want. You're still stabbing me in the face with a screwdriver. So if they're like, well, it's really not adultery, but it is adultery, but it's not adultery. It's exception. But okay, look, call it whatever you want. It, it's, it's adultery. Yeah, and it's even, um, so I'm like, yeah. Do you think that's even worse than that, though, Nate? Because these women uh, were forced into sex that very evening. It's rape. Now, no woman who's who's a good, decent woman who just uh, whose husband is alive, whose family got murdered in their town, uh, wants to have sex with these uh, uh, lizard chasing uh, desert dwellers. You know that evening. This is rape. They're raping women right here in chapter four, verse twenty-four. Um, Doctor, who? What's up, Doctor? No, much, guys. Yeah, so if you listen to the Muslims, that what they'll actually tell you uh, about all these ayahs and stuff, they'll say, well, it was during the time of the Prophet. And, you know, it, it was allowed because Allah allowed it during the time of the Prophet. But the Quran is eternal. You know, it's, it's supposed to be for all time. So they're still allowed to do this in modern day. And when you throw things at them, like, well, look at Daesh, like ISIS, you know, or, uh, you know, all these terrorist organizations. And they say, well, they're not supposed to do that. And it's like, well, why are they not supposed to do it? Well, because it's not the end times. So what they're end up telling you is they're saying, okay, during the end times, we are allowed to rape your women who are married. We are allowed to kill you. Allah is going to command the rocks to come alive and say, oh, servant of Allah, there's a Jew here hiding behind me. Come and kill him. You know, even if you look at uh, uh, Surah 3, 151, we shall cast terror into the hearts of those disbelievers, all non-Muslims. And then Surah 2, 191, Ayah 191, and kill them, non-Muslims, where you find them. Kill them, such in recompense in the disbelievers, non-Muslims. So, I mean, and then you got Surah 9, 5, and then kill the disbelievers, <laughs> non-Muslims, where you find them. Capture them and besiege them and lie in wait for them in, in every ambush. So what they're saying is that, yes, ISIS is doing the right thing, but they're doing it at the wrong time. At the right time, at the actual end times, when, you know, after the Dajjal comes and after the actual true Messiah, Messiah comes, Isa, which uh, Isa means camel semen, when Isa comes back, then they're going to actually be doing the same thing that ISIS is doing. So you have these Starbucks Muslimas and stuff that sit around and talk about LGBT rights, but in the end times, they're going to agree that it's okay to go and kill all the non-believers. So, um, so really a uh, loophole, as it were, um, they could just say, well, our view of the end times is different and we believe we're in the end times right now. So oh, we're yeah. actually I mean, doing all right. If you look at it, Nate, you know, in the end times, God is going to come back. Jesus is going to come back in the book of Revelation and he's going to judge the unrighteous and he's going to punish them. He's going to pour his wrath upon the earth in the end times. But in their end times, for some odd reason, Allah doesn't actually have or possess the power to actually strike down 
the disbelievers. What he's going to do is he's going to call on the Muslims to kill the disbelievers. So it almost seems like Allah and their Quran doesn't actually have the power to do that. Almost like if he was a demon. Um, Aman. Hello. Hi. Question, comment? Anything on your mind? Um, okay, so... I, I used to be a Christian person when I was young. Then uh, I got some questions. Questions like, uh, if God exists, then how World War I happened? If God exists, then how World War I and II happened? How women get raped by men? How terrorist organization exists? How political leaders... Uh, uh, destroy the countries, uh, etc. And I we, never found any answers. Well, we live in a fallen world with evil people doing evil things. That's that's the answer. I think. Hello, you fucking dog. Nice to see you. Thanks for playing. Repent and believe the gospel, unless you die in your sin. Uh, go on, Amon. I think. I think. Uh, these these things shows that uh, either the god is weak or god uh, is not interested in any, anything or god does not exist Amon, well that's a false well that's yeah real quick that i mean that's a false trichotomy like the quadro answer to that is you see like jesus before he's crucified he says he could call legions of angels to basically, you know, take care of everyone and not die on the cross, yet he still allowed it. And he had his reasons. His reasons for that was the redemption of mankind and, you know, to give people, forgive people of their sins. So it doesn't mean he was weak. It doesn't mean he didn't care. It didn't mean he was powerless. It means there was another reason. And it tells us right there. So much, much like this, there's another reason. And the reason is this world is fallen. It's full. It's an evil place. It's not supposed to be. Uh, it's not supposed to be a good world. It's passing away. But what will never pass away is God's word and God. And that's the whole point of this world is to make us recognize there is a savior and it's not us. It's Jesus to repent, believe the gospel, put our faith in him and be spiritually alive and live with our Lord and savior forever. So if this if his goal was to make this world a perfect place, then he would make this world a perfect place. But this world is dying and it's decaying and it's wrought with sin but there's a new place. Jesus says, I mean, this is right in the Bible. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So if this world was perfect, I mean, why would he go to pre prepare a place? So it doesn't mean he doesn't care. And it doesn't mean he's powerless. It means this world is not our home. Uh, anyways, that's the answer. CEO, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I was just going to ask Amon if he thinks that humans should have choice. Should we have I, I seen that weak people does not have any choice. They crushed by bad people. And that uh, what looks like that God doesn't care at all. I mean, can you respond to what I said about the God not caring? Because, I mean, you know, I gave you quite a bit of things to think about there. So even in light of that, you still just say, well, if God exists, he doesn't care, despite all the other reasons. I mean... The the good people crushed by bad people. That that looks like that God doesn't care. I mean, bad okay. people's bad bad people's not uh, just uh, 
doing bad things uh, around around themselves they doing bad things with the good people and good people suffer hey nate can i respond to that real quick for god uh, yeah, so go loved the for god so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life that's how much god loves you uh then why god need to crucify his son why can't he just forget forgive us directly so, from so if uh, you're a criminal if you're aman if you're aman if you're a criminal and you go in before the judge and you walk before the judge and you stand there and like muslims would say they would say oh yes i i raped and murdered somebody but you have to remember allah i also did all these good things i i went and i fed the homeless and i gave you know uh money to people and food and i fed the and clothed the the homeless people and stuff and i did all these amazing things but god's going to look at you and he's going to say but you're still a murderer you're still a rapist you're going to be punished for that now here's the idea you have a stack of speeding tickets or you're guilty 100% of your crime and you go before the judge and the judge is about to put you into jail but then someone runs in and they pay your debt they take the responsibility for you and they pay that debt for you the judge can legally even though he's a merciful and just king and a merciful and just uh, judge he can let you go because someone is taking your debt for you that's why jesus cried out on the cross it is finished he paid the sin debt for you he took care of your responsibility for your sins because you are not sufficient enough to pay your debt but sin is all it still happens today yes we're all filthy sinners and none of us deserve righteousness but god loved us so much that he came and became a manifest in a man and became a man and he died upon the cross to pay the debt sin debt for you he paid your uh he paid for your sins and is allowing you to be released from jail Mm, to me that uh, doesn't sound very logical how is I mean, it not logical death is completely a different scenario compared no, to what jesus scenario. did for us we're all sinners we're all disgusting filthy sinners and none of us deserve righteousness none of us deserve to be forgiven for our sins none of us can pay for all the sins that we've committed with good deeds but god is the only one who can pay that god is the only one who has the ability to come and become sinless and to pay that sin debt for you now uh, ceo you got a lot of background noise going on sounds like you're getting run over by an airplane i mean the point here is the judge himself is paying for our sin so why he come as a as a human and died on the cross why he just fuck why he just didn't forgive us from from because the heaven sacrifice That's what... has to be, because of sacrifice has to be given you know even if you look at the tanakh in the old testament there had to be a blood sacrifice and jesus was that blood sacrifice who atoned for your sins he paid the debt for you he paid off what you owe to god you are a guilty sinner and you should be judged and you should be sent to hell every one of us should be but because god loved us so much he came and died for us to pay for our sin
The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So that's that's the, the technical answer. Like it requires blood. And when you said it was illogical, you're thinking in terms of like, you know, if everyone always thinks mm -hmm. about the, the worst possible thing. Like if you think, you know, you slaughter a village and ate their blood and, you know, killed everyone. Um, and then how, how could someone else pay for that? First of all, people like to like to kind of s say it's a scapegoat, which is incorrect wildly. And they're like, oh, so you get out of jail free card. And if you can do all these sins and you don't have to pay for it, you totally pay for your crimes in this world. I guarantee the police are going to make you pay for your crimes. So you're taking responsibility for your own actions, whether you want to or not. That's why we have natural justice system. And, you know, the Bible says, you know, the rulers were put in place by God. And if they're ruling, um, you know, they're only empowered by God. So there, there is still the natural order. There's still the natural law. So if you kill a bunch of people, you're going to be held accountable to that um, some way or another. Um, anyway, so there's that. But then if we're thinking about there's plenty of civil law, if you want to if you want the analogy. Right. So if you uh, get a bunch of fines or get a bunch of debt that you can't pay and you're before the judge and he says, hey, you have five hundred dollars of traffic tickets. You have to pay these. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't pay them. I have no money. Maybe the judge is like, well, you know, you don't deserve it. You, you did this. You got this penalty. Uh, but you seem like a good person. I'm going to go ahead and pay you and give you another chance. That's totally logical. To say it's not is illogical. Anyway, so to recap, it is logical. It's illogical to say otherwise. Um, you are held accountable for your crimes. So if you do the crime, you do the time. That's what we have justice for in this world. Um, and then spiritually speaking, yes, there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood, which is what God did for us with Jesus on the cross. Um, there you go. Oh, hey, uh, Nate, I think we have a question from the audience, from uh, the peanut gallery. It says, what verses uh, specifies what is done when you rape a non-virgin, non-betrothed woman? So it's talking about the woman who does not cry out or the woman who cries out. So um, about the woman who does not cry out, that's, uh, that's when she's, um, that's, that's the one where she's in the city. If she doesn't cry out, then they're both put to death. And by the way, Christians have no dog in this fight. This is for Israeli law. So if you're not an Israelite, this was never your law. If you were an Israelite, just in the interest of accuracy, that's the only dog we have in this fight as Christians. So for the, for the woman who's in the city, if she doesn't cry out, she dies too. The presumption is if she doesn't, if she would cry out, there's plenty of people around her to hear her. So if she does not cry out for help, that means it's not rape. She's complicit and she is fornicating. So she is doing a sin. If she's in the wilderness and no one comes to help her, she's not held responsible because the presumption is she's in the middle of nowhere. She is screaming and crying for help. She is not complicit in fornication. Therefore, she is not held accountable. So it's, it's sin. It's who sinned, who didn't sin. If you didn't sin, you're not accountable. If you did sin, you are accountable. Uh, regardless, there's a lot more nuance to this. So to get a complete understanding, not just like four verses, you would need to call your local rabbi or Google the Talmud. Um, and read the the entire section concerning that passage, because where you have like four or five verses in, in our Bible telling us about in the Old Testament, you'll have like four or five chapters explaining everything to do with that in the Talmud. Yeah. So if we want to know the people's law, who it actually is, then we need to understand it the same way the people do whose law it actually is. Uh, that's that's the answer. Yeah, the, ahead, the random guy was also asking about what about men. That also applies. If a man rapes another man, that man is condemned and put to death. So yeah, that applies, random guy. Uh, hey, D, what's up? 
I think you answered it um, because um, I think when you, when when you're saying cried out is not in the moment you're crying out. I mean, if you tell someone is to explain to someone that this guy just raped you, and unlike today, if you're gonna be put to death for being raped, you know, women would have said something compared to now where you know you go through the struggle of it all because the judgment is death. So. Uh, the Bible does not condone rape, and even if you don't read the Talmud, if you actually take the time to read those verses, it's actually pretty just for that time period of those who um, are raped, because rape equals death. There's no getting away with rape. I know sometimes, a lot of times, they're like, if they're in the field, you know, and he coerces her, it's more so seduce her, and she's with it, and the dad, um, he has to pay the dad the diary because they wanted to be together and they are married from there on. So it's like people don't read when they're um, interpreting these scriptures or they hear from someone else. I just wanted to chime in. Dee, that, sounds, that, well. sound, that sounds so beautiful, Dee, that you come up here pretending to be a Christian when you're a Hebrew oh. so you think the white people are eating money. Oh no, okay, so let me tell you something. Doctor Who, I am actually a Christian. I don't play games with You're a Christ follower, but you're also a Hebrew roots person, so Okay, so let me let me speak on my own. I go to Hebrew Israelite rooms. I mean it's not a secret for me. I don't I don't have to hide anything. And I agree with And you cast aspersions against Christians in the comments of those no, rooms. The the lady huh. was talking about hold on, Nate, can I clear this up? The lady was yeah, talking yeah. about the Hebrew Israelites in Jersey who were um who who were shooting People. And the DA said that the Hebrew Israelites had nothing to do with it. I am in the legal field. I don't listen to the news and make determinations based off of what the news says. You have to have evidence. And when the DA states something, you go with what the DA says, not someone on an app who's yelling and acting a plum fool representing Christianity. Are oh, you talking about Sister Terry talking about IUIC doing okay. Okay, yeah, 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 Stop, 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 stop. I, I don't care what the discussion is. But keep it civil. Like, I, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. I, I need to, like, do a better job of that. So, like, say whatever you want, but say it nicely. But hang on, before we get to this mess, because I don't know why people bring their genre here. Um, but hang on. Random actually had a follow-up <clears throat> about the topic. Um, didn't Lot's daughters rape him? Yes, they did. And that was also before the law. So um, there you go. Um, anyway, that would be the answer. So, yes, before the law existed. Lot's daughters raped him, and I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you um, brought that out because usually the trope is, look, the Bible talks about incest, um, and it never condones it. But uh, yeah, so at least you got that you know Lot's daughters did rape him uh, because you know the Bible says Lot was a righteous man and you know did nothing wrong and he was passed out or he was asleep, so I mean you know he was drunk, so that would be a problem. But uh, yeah, he was not complicit in this, so yes, his daughters date raped their dad. That's messed up. Um, the reason the law wasn't enacted against them is because that was before the law existed. Um, anyway, and then look what happened, by the way, when you do something, you know, inherently, even though you don't need a law, it's like how you don't need a law to tell you murder is wrong. You just instinctively know murder is wrong. Well, they instinctively had to know this is wrong, but look what happened because they knew it was wrong. Unless they're just the dumbest people on earth. I refuse to believe that they were, I mean, they were in a, a, a city. So, you know, they presumably had some amount of knowledge anyways. So the Amalekites and the what Amorites or something like two of the like most godless tribes ever to exist came out of their hooking up with their dad. So no good came from that. And no, that is not condoned in any way. But anyways, that's the answer. Okay. So right, they were punished. Keep, yeah. So keep your actual questions coming. 
but uh, yeah, D and Doctor, if you want to like try to try to settle this in like the next, I don't know, two minutes tops, um, say whatever you want, but say it nicely. Oh no, I was just um, pointing out to the room that uh, is the Hebrew yeah, is first. I go to Hebrew Israelites rooms. I go to Jew rooms. I go to every room. If I agree with what they say on stage, I'm gonna say yeah, I agree with you. If I don't disagree, if I disagree with you, I'm gonna say I disagree with you. If I'm in a Christian room and I don't like what is being said, I'm going to say that. I'm just completely not on anybody's side. Period. If you're wrong, you're wrong. So, Doctor Who, I did not mean to scream at you. Um, so let me apologize for that. But. I mean, you can believe whatever you want, so I don't really, it doesn't bother me that you said that. It's not a secret that I'm in Hebrew Israelite rooms. I like what they say about building up the black community. I'm not going to pretend that I don't. You know, I don't agree with Mary not being a virgin. I believe in the Trinity, but I still have questions about that. The law about the uh, who gets raped and who gets not raped, I learned that from Hebrew Israelites, which when I read it, it made sense to me. So I'm not going to pretend that I don't go to the rooms and listen to what they have to say, because sometimes people can clear up things and make things understandable to you where you don't get that information from another room. I learned a lot of things from going into Jew rooms and learning about how the Talmud, uh, the rabbinic Judaism was after Christianity. I didn't know that. So I'm sorry that I'm on a journey of learning and that inconveniences you. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying, but I would also take into consideration that the Talmud says that Jesus is boiling in a uh, pool of uh, feces, too, and that it also calls Mary a loose whore. So, yeah, I I would take that into consideration, and I would throw out the Talmud if you're going to take any of it. No, I don't. I don't subscribe to Talmud. I don't. But what I'm saying is I didn't know that the that rabbinic Judaism came out of, came after Christianity. I didn't know those things. Like, I wouldn't know these things if I don't go to other rooms and listen. If I'm sitting in a Christian room and all I know is Christianity and I can't have a conversation with someone who believes in something different, that makes me less of a Christian in my view. I mean, I, I'm a 315 Peter. I need to be able to under, you know, talk to people about why I believe. And I have to hear the opposition. So just because I sit in the room doesn't mean I have to agree with everything someone says. That's all I'm saying. And I don't agree when – go ahead. Uh, well, I was gonna say, for the record, you know, I, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't have a dog in this fight between Hebrew rights or rabbinic Judaism. But I mean, it, depending how they're talking about rabbinic Judaism, I mean, you know, I mean that would have existed the, pra- the practice and customs certainly during Jesus' time because that's why they tried to murder him according to their customs and the law and stuff like that. But if we're talking about by the time like the Babylonian like is the Babylonian like Talmud was written down, yeah, that that was that was like in what the, the second century or fourth century. It was it was later when it was actually like written down. Correct. But uh, they're they were following their oral oral traditions and oral laws. Um, just just to be fair to a side that I have you know no stake in. But welcome, Tiffy. What's up? Yeah, I said from studying the show. So I learned that in a in a room with studying the show who was teaching that. So I didn't know these these are the things I don't know. I didn't learn that in a Hebrew Israelite room. So I go to room to room. I learn and I research what people say. So that's what it is. I don't, I'm not going to sit in a room in the echo chamber and just be like, yeah, what she said was right. And I know for sure it's not right. That's what it is. Well, well D, I'm happy when you're here. But, uh, what's up, Tippy? How are you? Good. The, um, the Talmud, it's actually, it's actually a polemic against Christianity is what it is. It's not, it's not oral Torah. Right? They, they claim that, but it's not. Oh, no. Uh, no, I mean, the Torah and Talmud are different. I'm just saying, like, whenever, like, the... Yeah, uh, they, one of the, there's, two, not, there's two Talmuds. 
Yeah, but and they were not, like, yeah, they were like compiled after Christianity. That was yeah, all I'm saying. The, well, there was no oral law. Like, they're what they're claiming is that that um, you know, starting with Moses, there is like a, a yeah, the oral, yeah, yeah, like an oral tradition, and there just wasn't. We don't see any evidence of that in the Bible uh, from the time of Moses or so so forth. It's literally a polemic against Christianity. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I still like recommend the Talmud a lot, but the reason I do that, the only reason I do that is because, you know, when someone brings up the, the law, like the, the actual 613 commands of Moses, and they talk like they're knowledgeable when they're not, um, even though like, yes, we think, you know, I mean, we think Judaism is incorrect. We think they missed the Messiah. That's why there's a whole other religion, <laughs> because we think they mess a lot of stuff up. However, um, you know, if you want to know from their perspective, these laws and how they follow them, I mean, as correct or incorrect as we may think they are, uh, you know, go understand it the way they understand it. Um, it is the only reason I ever recommend the Talmud. Um, certainly, it would not do for uh, spiritual advice or counsel or anything like that. You know, we claim to have the answer, which is Jesus Christ, you know, death, burial, resurrected, God forever. Um, but if you want to know about, you know, some laws here and there and, you know, how... 2023 Western America does not know what they're talking about. Well, then go look at the Talmud and see what the people who actually follow these laws um, say about them. Uh, but yeah, I agree with what I agree with that, Tippy. Uh, do you have anything else to say, Tippy? Yeah, I just wanted to say that I think the Talmud is good for um, you know if you're if you're having a discussion with somebody that's you know a, a rabbinical Jew, um, you can just go to their sources. But you could also look at it and say. Listen, these concepts of Christianity, they're not foreign to Judaism. They're not. We see a lot of things that if you read in the Talmud, you'd be like, this is Christianity. This is actually describing Christianity. So I would use the Talmud if speaking with somebody that's a rabbinical Jew and say, look, this is not a foreign concept. But I would never take the Talmud over what God has revealed in Scripture. Amen. Oh, goodness. No, never. But, uh, you know, to the, to the question earlier about, um, what was the question earlier? Oh, about the verses that talk about, like, you know, who's, who's stoned and who's, who's murdered or who's killed if, uh, you know, uh, two people hook up in a city and a woman is raped in a city versus outside the city. Great. Call a rabbi. Go read the Talmud. That, that's exactly what that's perfect for. Um, something that has absolutely zero to do with Christianity and everything about a distraction from it. Um, yeah, the great. one that's call a rabbi. Ask the, laws. The one that's crying out is the one that's being raped. The one that's not crying out is having consensual sex and is being forced to be married. Exactly. To that yeah, it's a shotgun. <laughs> uh, Constantine, what's up? Yeah, hey guys. Um, I have a question about uh, the baptism of Jesus. Um, so, um, if you read the Gospel of Mark, it kind of opens with uh, the Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. And it says that John the Baptist was uh, baptizing people for repentance, for the forgiveness of sins, and then Jesus comes and is baptized. Uh, the other Gospels change the story. You know, in Matthew, John tries to talk Jesus out of being baptized. This is not a Mark. It's Matthew. He kind of says, well, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus says, no, this is right. You know, baptize me. And then the Gospel of John drops the story completely. Jesus is not baptized. And John, um, in the Gospel of John, he, he's just walking past while, while uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people, but he doesn't get the baptism. John just announces that this is the Messiah, 
the Lamb of God who takes the sin of uh, takes away the sin of the world. So my question is, why does Mark uh, present the story as John baptizing for repentance and forgiveness of sins, and Jesus comes and is baptized? Uh, th that doesn't seem to make sense if Jesus is sinless. So, if you, so, and, so yes. what you're asking is, why do we have diff three different perspectives of of the baptism, and why is Jesus not baptized? exactly? Yes. Well, yeah. Sinless. So, so my question, the first question is, why is Jesus baptized if baptism is for uh, uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins? Since Christians believe not. Jesus is sinless. it actually tells you if you continue reading, <clears throat> so no, that all, so that all all will be fulfilled. That's, that's in Matthew. That's, that's not in Mark. You're taking uh, you're taking a, a passage from another gospel and inserting it into Mark. Yeah. Mark so we have so account. we have several different accounts of what's going on during the baptism, right? We have several different perspectives. It just says, if you and I were to see an accident and give an affidavit, my perspective is going to be different than your perspective. Yeah, you might have to explain it to because Constantine's just reading from a, a atheist uh, polemics, you know, webpage. I know that. Well, well, well I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I want to say giving the benefit of the doubt, but that sounds bad the other way. <clears throat> but no, I mean, Constantine, first of all, there are some Christians that, like, it, there are some people who believe baptism is necessary for uh, forgiveness of sins. I don't believe that. That's a, a Catholic and what other EO thing or something. So even though some Christians believe that, biblically speaking, baptism is not for forgiveness. Baptism is just a symbolic thing that you're, you're died to yourself and you're resurrected a new person with Christ. However, even if baptism was for the forgiveness of sin, that doesn't mean that anyone, like if Jesus was sinless and got baptized, that doesn't automatically mean that he was baptized for forgiveness of sin. Even if baptism did forgive sin, which it doesn't, but even if it did and Jesus got baptized, that would be like Tippy said, even though you contended that it was from another gospel, which is irrelevant, but that was for all to be fulfilled, not automatically because Jesus had sin. So, so that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is that's why we have we, we tell people to take the totality of Scripture. So it's not like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't know each other. They all knew each other. They all walked around with Jesus. So they all had the same exact knowledge that each other had. So it's not like, uh, you know, one was like, oh, my gosh, no, don't write that. And the other one's like, oh, I've never met you before. They all had the same encounters and the same experience. Um, so to try to say we, we can't use one or the others are being pitted against each other, they all had the same knowledge. Um, so I would say that it's it's important to take more information, not less information. Yeah. And, and it's also funny because the other side, sometimes people will say, well, what about this writing? What about this writing? I'm like, look, guys, the Bible says the same thing in redundancy over and over and over in the New Testament. It's like salvation and by faith through great by grace through faith. And it says the same thing so many times. And so now <laughs> it's like the inverse, like the one time we find something where it is like a continuation from gospel to gospel, even though these people still had the same knowledge because it gives a little bit of different perspective. Now that's a problem. That's interesting. Yeah, Nate, you got a, you got a perfect example of this is when Jesus says, take this bread as my body and take this wine as my blood. Jesus wasn't actually taking his flesh and his actual blood because he needed to atone for sins. He was doing something uh, as a representation and he was doing it himself to show others how to do it. Also the same way where they say, well, why is Jesus praying to the father? Well, if he's going to manifest himself into flesh, the son is, then what is he going to do as the flesh? As a person, he's going to pray to the father. Even though he's part of the triune Godhead, 
he's going to pray to the Father. The same way he tells you to take the bread, he tells you to take the wine, and he also goes and gets baptized because he's uh, presenting what we should be doing. He's He doesn't get baptized, even if it was for atonement of sins. He's not getting baptized for that reason. He's getting baptized to show us what we should be doing. So, I mean, uh, Constantine, does that help out? Uh, I mean, it, uh, I understand the explanation. I don't think it works. So, for the baptism for Jews at the time was a ritual. Um, I mean, it was very common. And uh, can, can I stop you? Hang on. Can I stop you real quick? You said you understood, but it doesn't work. Could you elaborate on that? Because I, yeah, I that's don't what see I'm how doing. it would work. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. So, first of all, baptism at that at that point of time was very common among uh, the Jews, and uh, it signified, you know, washing away ritual impurity. Right. That's uh, it comes from Torah. You're supposed to wash yourself if you have an impurity, like if you're going through a menstrual, you know, thing, and uh, you have to wash it away because it's impure. So, I mean, that's that's the whole purpose of originally of baptism is uh, to wash away your impurity, which is kind of a symbol for sin. And Mark explicitly states that John the Baptist was baptizing for repentance and forgiveness of sins. So, I mean, if it was to wash away your sin, he, Mark doesn't explain why, you know, if there's any other reason why, why Jesus is baptized. It just assumes that he's baptized. It, it's understood, Constantine because scripture says Jesus is sinless. So it's Mark understood. And this is why, think, hold on think. a second. Again, you're going to you're going to stick with one scripture, but with throughout scripture, which is why we take full context, we know that Jesus is sinless. So he doesn't need this. It's not for repentance of his own sin. This is something that he's doing because he is the perfect man that is doing the perfect rituals that he should be doing to fulfill the law. Right. That's the whole point. This is why John has contention with him and says, no, 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 I, I should be. You should be baptizing me because he knows Jesus is sinless. This is understood throughout the entire gospel, the, the full text. We don't just take one. You're isogeting and it's failing. OK, so yeah, in the gospel me, you, of notice, John, you notice what Constantine also said. Constantine also said it's kind of like a symbol for atonement of sins, meaning it's not exactly 100 percent. It's kind of like it. It's not exactly, but it's kind of like. Well, it's, it's it's the washing away of impurity. But what do you what do you think impurity is? It's kind of, it's it's a symbol for sin, right? You're you know you're impure in the eyes of God, so you're washing away those. They just had a weird way of you know thinking of sin that way that you know. Like, but they didn't do that for like every sin, though, did they? No, no, no. Uh, baptism was not that wasn't how what it was for. Um, because the, the convert of a proselyte was actually covered in the same way. If if you go back to Numbers chapter four, verse three, um. The, it was the, Levi, the Levite or anybody entering into ministry or priesthood, they were baptized at 30 years old, right? If you know, right. Christ's ministry was for a three and a half years, which is following the 30 years. So when he approaches uh, John the Baptist, who is a Levite, by the way, John is actually the son of Zechariah. If you read Luke 1, he is the one who's actually coming from that priestly line. So when he comes, he says... Uh, a baptism and he says, well, why are you doing this? You know, you should be baptizing me. He says, do this, your all should be fulfilled. What he's doing, he's doing this for to begin his ministry. Because when you read in Luke chapter 12, verse 50, it says clearly, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it all, all is accomplished. So this is him to undertake his goal, not to be a, a, purit a purified of anything. That was not the yeah. reason. Yeah, it's to start his men well, ministry. Well, I agree. Hold on. And, Kevin, you said that was Numbers 4, verse 3? Yeah. Thank you. Yep. And, right. yeah, Kevin, so, thank you. Well, well hang on. Uh, thanks for that, Kevin. But I wanted to say, by the way, also, you're, I, I, I don't know, Constantine, like, there, there is no argument. Like, I mean, I, I'll give you one. Uh, the best argument is it was all made up, and you don't believe it, and it was, it was corrupted scripture or, or whatever. 
Like th those are those are the best arguments because if we're just talking about what our actual scripture says, like Second Corinthians five twenty one, it says God made him who had no sin. So unless we're saying right there that the Bible is corrupted or some other reason that is not your argument, your argument fails. So God made him who had no sin. So Jesus could not have been baptized for repentance of oh. sin or for forgiveness of sin because he had no sin. Okay, so okay. The, only where you, the only place you can go is the Bible's just wrong and it's made up. But an argument-wise, you cannot make. Okay, I'll, I'll follow oh, up with a claim. Okay, so in the yeah, gospel, it's, it's a claim. Okay, so in the Gospel of John, I agree with you. John presents uh, Jesus as sinless as God. I mean, it's very clear in the Gospel of John. This is the latest gospel, and in that gospel, Jesus is not baptized. So he, Jesus is just walking past, and John the Baptist sees him while he's baptizing other people and announces that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lamb of the world, who takes away uh, the, the Lamb who takes and away. And what's the wrong with that? No, 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 that's no. A, that's here's, a, here's a problem. See, so notice that no Jew actually goes through this unless they're they're actually Levites, like the purification. So that whole thing there is that what was what was John even preaching and even converting them to? That's number one, right? If you look at John's gospel, even the Pharisees even questioned by sending men over to him saying, "Why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah or anybody of the like?" Secondly, the baptism is a show of discipleship to show who you're under. Right. So when you notice in all of the accounts of Christ being baptized, a dove then descended upon him and landed on him. And this is how he knew that he was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. The discipleship uh, 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 initiation is by baptism. Hence why when you look at First Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse one through five, you see that Paul is actually explaining that the Israelites going through. Uh, the river, I mean, going through uh, uh, the sea was actually a typology of them being baptized into Moses. And you see that this is also Paul's complaint when he complains, saying, uh, just are you because you are baptized in Paul's name? Are you a Paul or why is Christ divided? And then that's why he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Christmas and Gaius. And he said, but Christ did not send me to baptize. Now, why is that? Because he's saying I'm not here to take ownership of any uh, students, because you see this in the Great Commission when you go to Matthew 28, 19, where it says very clearly, Go forth into all nations and, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, right? So he's telling them to make disciples of the nations, make disciples of all the nations. And we know that baptism has nothing to do with anything about being purified in that sense, because when we go to Acts chapter 8, 9, and 10, we see that people have received the Holy Spirit without water baptism. Especially in, in chapter 10, when Paul when uh, Peter had uh, uh, baptized the, uh, the family of Cornelius, you see at the end of that chapter, he says they have received the Holy Spirit. And he says, who could forgive them water that they should be baptized? So notice that the taking place of baptism is actually after uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, so that's I mean, not what the baptism yeah, is. Yeah, you're talking about like the development of the, uh, the idea of baptism later on. But there is an interesting no, passage in Acts. Wait, there's an interesting passage in, in, in Acts 19 when uh, Paul, while he's preaching, he runs into the disciples of John the Baptist who don't know about Jesus. And he asks them, um, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, I'm reading, uh, they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. No. So even so, Paul, later on, decades later, he's aware that John's baptism wait, was a baptism of repentance. Okay, no. So wait, wait, hey, still, hey, so, I, 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 I got to say something. Hang on. Hang on. Kevin, sorry. I got to say this. There's a difference in repentance and forgiveness. 
you can repent without being forgiven. Just note that. You're using it uh, interchangeably. Did Jesus repent? repent. Hey, 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 wait, wait. I, I want to let Kevin talk before you throw that thing in there. But I just want to say you keep saying repentance and forgiveness interchangeably. They are not. You can repent. You can stop your sin and go the other way from your sin while you're still not forgiven of your previous sin. Repentance and forgiveness are not interchangeable like you're using. Uh, go on, Kevin. Sorry All right. To so uh, you, you further show that uh, you're not really familiar with it. And that's fine. I can show you and teach you right now. You just notice you just quoted Acts 19, 1 through uh, uh, 6, which is fine. But that's not talking about repentance. That's not what it's saying. Baptism here is actually talking about the teaching and discipleship that they were under. How do we know? Because when we go to the previous chapter, Acts 18, right, uh, you're going to notice something that is something surrounding a man who's by the name of Apollos, who is a disciple under John. And notice how the, 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 the uh, significance of baptism along with knowledge that one knew about their doctrine. Let's go to uh, the previous chapter. So this is in Acts 18, and we're going to look at verse 24. Look what it says. And it was a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed, key that in, in the way of the Lord, in being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So the baptism is synonymous with one's discipleship and teaching, not them being cleansed by any type of repenting or anything like that. No, now, when you go to John, clearly go to explains. Acts 19, hold on, what? Uh, chapter 19, chapter 19 clearly explains. No, 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 no. That's what they say. Paul, Constantine, Paul Constantine let him explain real quick. Constantine. You, you read 19 thinking this was a baptism of repentance that they received. That's what John's uh, disciples no, are saying. No, brother, listen listen carefully. You have, I can tell you haven't studied this. If you go to Acts 18, the baptism that, that Apollos received was a teaching being a disciple of John. So he's asked, that's why he asked the question, under what then were you baptized? Notice the general question here. It's not saying, were you baptized? It says, whose baptism did you receive? Look what it says here, verse 19 and 1. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesians, finding certain disciples, the same dudes. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there was any Holy Ghost. Notice, teaching. Look what he says in verse 3. And he came, look, I, we, I know what this says, bro. Trust me, it's not going to work for you. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? Okay, so notice that question there. Under what then were ye baptized? They said unto John's baptism. So in other words, what they're keep asking going, is whose disciples... No, keep brother, going. listen How to what's How does Paul understand John's baptism? Keep going. Yes, he does. It's, 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 we it's have to digest yeah, Keep going. Now read the next it's, verse. In fact, when you look at, when you look at read Luke's... The next verse. You look at Luke's... Oh my gosh, hang on, hang on one second. This is killing me. Constantine. The, all you're doing, the guy is reading. You keep saying, keep reading, keep reading. He is literally keeping reading. Take a breath. And he's breaking it you, down for Just, just right. take a breath. Right. He, the he, guy he, is doing what you're badgering him to do. You are getting what you want, and you're still not happy. So right. hold on. And Kevin, do as you're already doing and continue reading. All right, no problem. So so he thinks he was working in his favor because he thinks of what he, of what he thinks this baptism is talking about. He's not familiar with the term baptism and what it means. Read verse 4. When you, when you, all right, no problem. When you go, it says, and he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? So the question being asked here is, who's your teacher pretty much? Or 
where's your baptism? You, you, you guys are out here teaching this. So where did you get your baptism from? It goes from the context of the previous chapter. Okay, keep Apollo going. Apollo preached using Voodoo. only John's baptism. Now watch what he said. Then Paul said to John, verily, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, teaching the people that they should believe on him who should come after him that is on Christ. So notice, he says that it is the, the baptism of repentance is a teaching. Let me yes, read it uh -huh. again. Then yes, said uh -huh. Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, teaching the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So what's, and what's when John's baptism? Hold, 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 hold on, hold on, And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So notice, it's not a, so notice, how did they get baptized in John and then again get baptized in Christ? Because it's discipleship. This goes back to, let's go to the Great Commission. Let's go, let's go to Matthew 28, right? And let's go to 19. Look what it says. Look what Christ's instruction is. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, Istu Anomatu, the Petros, Kai, un, uh, kai uh, to the Son, Kai, the Holy Spirit. So, the, so you see, it, even in the Greek, the Istu Anomatu is actually talking about the authority of or teaching of. In fact, there's scores of, 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 of grammarians in Greek that actually acknowledge that the idea of being baptized into East Tornoma 2 means to become a student of. This is why when you look at Paul's language in the beginning of the Corinthians, he says, I thank God I baptized none of you. Now, why did he say? Now, here's the thing. If that was necessary, why would he say, but Christ did not send me to baptize? Let's look at it. Let's look at that verse because you, you, you're really showing your ignorance in this. So I have a simple All question. Right. When when Paul in nine, uh, Acts nineteen four says mm -hmm. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, mm -hmm. do you disagree with Paul? Is he an error? No, no. It's it's what your understanding of it. The baptism of repentance was a teaching that John taught. If you look at John's teachings, he had disciples under him. In fact, his disciples in John uh, I think chapter five or chapter four complain saying Jesus and his disciples are baptizing more disciples than you. And he says, well, I must decrease and he must increase. But notice, it's a teaching. That's what John was doing. He was making disciples under him that learned under him. Hence the history of Apollos in Acts 18. Apollos was one of those disciples, and he was refuting Jews, being very good in speech, using what he learned from John. Now, when you look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 17, let's look at Paul's uh, writing in regards to the discipleship, in regards to baptizing. Notice what he says here, which is a strange statement if one believes the way you do. For Christ sent me not to baptize. What? But to preach the gospel. So notice the, the distinction he made. He says, I have not been sent to make disciples to teach them anything, but to preach the gospel. So notice that what he's sent to do is rather preach the gospel rather than make disciples. That's the point of it. So notice what it says. Christ had not sent me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So in other words, what he's doing, and if you look at the whole context of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he's saying that man's teaching in wisdom does not supersede or go over Christ's preaching of the gospel. His knowledge in his ways is better than our knowledge in our ways. Therefore, we ought not to make disciples to teach him in our own way, but teach him only the cross. Hence why we have the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19. So the whole thing about baptism, you got completely wrong. And this is why you got wrong about why Christ was baptized.
because you didn't know the context of discipleship. Now, if you look at all what Christ said throughout the Gospels, what does he namely say? I have not sent to do my own will, but the will of the Father. These words are not my own, but the own of the Father. So in context, whose disciple is he? The Father's. Hence why he says, baptize and you shall see this, this, this dove of descent, and you shall see that this is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. In other words, John bear witness that Christ is the direct disciple of the Father. He is taught by none else and given no command by none else but the Father alone. And I yield. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. I have a uh, question. Uh, well, yeah, let me just wrap this up real quick. So, yeah, I mean, Constantine, there's there's no way to go. I mean, that's our answer. Like, I mean, the best way to go is you just don't believe it and you disagree with it and whatever. But as far as, you know, the Christian in their home element who, you know, this is their sincerely held religious belief, we actually do know what we believe and why we believe it. Um, so, so this is the Christian understanding. Um, so if you disagree as an outsider who is not a Christian with these beliefs, who's, you know, studied this stuff, then you can disagree. You shouldn't, but you can. Um, so, I mean, there, there, that is the answer. There's nowhere else to go other than we just disagree. Uh, Dee, was it you had a question you said? Yeah, was Kevin, that, that was a great breakdown, by the way. Uh, Dee, yeah. was it you that wanted to say something? Yeah, I yeah, had a ahead. question. Okay, so I was in the other room. I think um, Yeshua was having a conversation with Corey regarding um, the Pharisees stoning Jesus. And my question was, um, when Jesus was responding to the um, Pharisees about um, the, the God question, because they said that he was committing blasphemy, and he went in and said, aren't we all gods and everything like that, why didn't the Pharisees stone him if they assumed that he still was being blasphemous? Um, so that was my question. Like, I was listening to them, and I just that just kind of popped up, like, if they... Uh, if he assumed, if the Pharisees assumed that he was still being blasphemous, why didn't they stone him? Or was his answer didn't address? Did the answer not address that he was he was God? They tried and to. So I think he hid himself if he keep reading. It, yeah, because he doubles down. Himself. Yeah, like when he he says like he's he says he's um he claims to be God. They try to stone him for it, and then um, he says that part about you are gods. Like going back to, uh, I believe that's like Exodus, like whenever they're Psalm given the Psalm eighty-two, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he goes back to uh, to that when they're like they're given, they're talking about getting the commandments at Mount Sinai or something, and he's he anyways. Uh, sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm in the middle of something. Hang on, someone else talk. I'll be back in a second. So, are you guys saying that it wasn't his time to reveal himself, or are you saying that he did tell them and they still didn't stone him? No, no verse thirty-nine. Yeah, verse 39 says, again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm back. Um, but yeah, so when he says, you were gods, yeah, when he says, you were gods, he's like harking back to like the Psalms. Thank you for that. And then he goes on and doubles down, though. And so people will try to say, he says, yeah, God, you're God. And that's what he meant. Like, you know, I'm just like one of you people. I'm not really God. Except if you keep reading, he doubles down with, yes. He is God, and that's when they, they pick up stones to throw him, and then, like Tibby said, like he, he hides himself and like loses himself in the crowd. So, yeah, they, they totally are all about murdering him uh, because he's claiming to be God. 
Um, he just doesn't well, give them that chance. Well, Nate, it kind of it kind of describes almost he disappeared because it says that he was surrounded by a large crowd and that he disappeared. And it, if anybody knows, if you got a lot of people staring and hyper focused on you specifically, and then you disappear. Uh, you're not mixing into the crowd. That's denoting that he is God and that he has God's power to just vanish and disappear. You know, it, it talks about that he disappeared where they couldn't see him. So, yeah, I mean, the reality is he says, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And he was claiming to be God. Yeah. And, and the takeaway, like to Dee's question, like the takeaway is, no, they didn't say, oh, OK, all's cleared up now. You're fine. Um, no, they, they totally still had the intent to kill him. Um, so that's the takeaway. They just right. didn't get and that chance. We just have to be careful when we're making implications from Scripture. You know, like, we don't know exactly what happened, and we really can't surmise. So, like, did he melt into the crowd? Maybe. Did he miraculously disappear? Maybe. We don't have evidence on either side to make a definitive determination. It's the same thing with Jesus, you know, walking into... Uh, where the disciples are in the upper room, and people will read into the text that he walked through the solid wall. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We just don't know because the Greek is really ambiguous. And so to start to make claims about, say, something about the you know, properties of Jesus' glorified body based on an ambiguous text would be a misuse of implication. Uh, anyway, Dee, did that answer your uh, question? It did. Well, you, she had another part of it as to uh, did Christ actually want to reveal who he was? No, he didn't um, the entire time because you always see the saying that he says, my time has not yet come. So uh, it, it was a delay until a certain time where that had to be revealed. And that, you actually see that when you look at the, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, when Caiaphas, the high priest, asked him, tell us plainly, are you the Mashiach, the son of the blessed? And he acknowledges it. I am. And you shall see the son of man quoting uh, Daniel chapter seven, that he is the son of man that rides on the clouds, uh, which if you look in the Old Testament over the 70 times that the cloud rider has been mentioned, only Yahweh is the cloud rider. So in other words, that was the blasphemy. Why he ripped his clothes is because he was claiming to be the identity of Yahweh. Yeah. And if you want an example of God knowing the beginning and the end and God preordaining everything. That would be it right there where Jesus says, it's not yet my time. And meaning that he knows what is the right time that he's supposed to reveal. And see, th this goes back to like our other conversation, like, you know, seems like a thousand hours ago, like two hours ago, where, you know, we we're talking to a Muslim guy and he's like, you know, uh, Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour. And, and then it's like, look, if this Bible is so full of stuff, like the hubris of people, hubris, hubris of people, who want to just like read a couple scriptures and pronounce judgment as if they're like, I don't know, the scholar for the ages. It's like, guys, this is a giant book and you will never get to the end of it. Like, even if you've re read it, you can reread it and you're constantly finding new applicable meanings in this book. So like right there, like how many examples have we seen of Jesus totally like displaying omniscience um, since that guy brought up the, you know, Jesus didn't know the day or hour. And then we explain that and the idea from them is, oh, well, you're explaining it through, like, clever spider webs and gymnastics because you have no basis. And it's like, as soon as that guy left, like, every conversation we've had has pointed back to the basis we have that Jesus is God. He is omniscient. He knows stuff. Um, anyways.
just a way to weave the last two hours in this together. Maybe the conversation wasn't that I heard two people. What? No, let's go ahead. Oh, just making a joke. I thought Jesus, Jesus was a guy who just had agency, right? I was just going to say, Nate, you know, maybe that conversation wasn't for that guy, but maybe it was for the people that are still in the audience. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that, that's like 90% of what I think. I mean, I think a lot of times, like, you know, there are some people like, I don't know, is, is the one guy down there? Um, oh, what was his name? But the hat or whatever. Anyways, there was a guy yesterday that was in here. And, you know, occasionally we'll get some people who are like, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian or I'm a new Christian or, you know, I am a Christian, but I don't have anywhere to go because, you know, the country I'm in, I may get murdered if I try to find a place. Um, you know, and they generally have genuinely have questions and want resources. And that's great. Um, but I think a lot of times, uh, like, like, you know, uh, there's someone else. I don't remember their name now. But a little while ago, I think today, um, someone came in. It was the I used to be a Christian guy. And then you find out, like, you know, either they weren't or is deceptive or like, I'm just an innocent seeker. And you find out like they're a hardcore Muslim um, who has no intent. So it's like, you know, I just take them at their word, give them the benefit of the doubt, even if I believe they're, they're lying or whatever. It doesn't matter because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people to listen. So I think it's for somebody's benefit out there who, even if the person asking doesn't care about the question, somebody will. And instead of being like, you're dishonest, get out of here, demon. Ah, ha, ha, um, then we just look like a bunch of jerks. So, you know, I just like answer their question. As long as they're civil, then that's all I need them to be. So they can ask the question and be like the placeholder for the question. And then, you know, whoever we talk to, uh, what whoever addresses that question, that's doing good for the person out there that actually cares. Um, anyway, yeah, that, I mean, that's how yeah. I, that's how I see it. Hey, Nate, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Sorry, buddy. You know, I just wanted to throw a thought out there just for kind of to ponder. And this is, again, I haven't studied this, so please do not hold me to it if it's wrong. But I'm wondering if the uh, notion of him saying that it's not his time yet or that his time has not come or the hour has not come is more so a way of saying that it's not my responsibility or the onus of me to declare who I am, but more so for the spirit to reveal it to the people. So therefore, um, I'm going to do my work as a servant. I'm not here to glorify myself, but as the father chooses to reveal uh, who I am, um, those people will be the ones who would then uh, speak of me rather than me uh, doing something or saying something to, in a sense, put myself out there. What do y'all think about that? Um, well, I'd say with like the corpus of the scripture, it shows that everything had to be done in a specific way and that God knew how it was going to play out and that Jesus knew the same. I mean, Jesus knew that, you know, when he says it's not my time, it's not my hour, you know, he knows that everything's going to happen the way it's going to happen. It's like when Pilate says that he can release him and he tells him, you know, you don't have any play here. You don't have any ability, you know, and he's saying that, you know, everything that's going to happen is going to happen. So, you know, it's, and in and, and that essence, that's. The problem with this argument is that in, in the gospel of John, Jesus openly consistently declares things about himself. You know, I and the father are one before Abraham was, I am. So he, he goes around and says to people, I am God. And he, you know, he explains the whole story to them. Whereas in the synoptic gospels, the other three, he doesn't do anything like that. So you're kind of basing your idea on the synoptic gospels, but it's in contradiction to John where he walks around declaring who he is all the time. Not quite, because when you go to John chapter 8, verse 18, he actually says that I am one that testifies myself, and there is another who bears witness of me, he says, is the Father. 
And that same token, they're actually claiming him to be blasphemous because he was actually using the father as a witness, not just himself. Because he also says in John that if I were to testify myself, my testimony would be nothing. So that's wrong. He was not banking on his own testimony. He was using the testimony of his father as well. We also see the sentiment when you go over to uh, Matthew chapter 16 and 17, where he asked them in Caesarea Philippi, who do you say that man am? And it says, some said Elijah, some said John the Baptist, some say that prophet. He says, who do ye say that I am? And then Peter speaking up said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And Christ's response to him was, blessed are Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I shall build my church. So that is just wrong, bro. Yeah, that's in the gospel hey, of Matthew. Can I say one thing to Constantine and Michael? You know, you guys come in here as atheists. My dad used to be an atheist when he was younger, in his younger age, you know, when I was only a baby. And, and the reality is when he was an atheist, he didn't care about what Christians thought about. He thought, you know what, they got the spaghetti monster sky daddy. I really don't care what they think. But the reality is when you guys come in here and ask these questions, all you do is you provide questions for answers. You provide uh, questions for us to answer in other apologetics uh, people uh, dealing in apologetics to answer, to bring more people to Christ. So if you guys were real smart atheists, you just stay out of these rooms and maybe make your rooms refuting Christianity and not allow Christians up on stage. But when you guys come up and ask these questions, you're just bringing people to Christ. So congratulations, God. Well, well, here's another Well, thing. hang hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I just put my headphone back on. I was trying to like, be a parent to my children. Now I'll be a parent to you. <laughs> I meant that as funny. But, well, I mean, first of all, don't say the quiet part out loud. I mean, I, I don't mean that bad, bad though. I mean, it's fine to say it because it, it was a joke. But no, I mean, first of all, I like Michael. Like Michael, Michael's great. I mean, I, I guess he, you know, he, you get what you give. Um, so you know, if you give him crap, you probably get some. But I mean, I like Michael. Constantine, I don't know nearly as well. But I mean, you know, I, I don't care if like Satan himself. I mean, you know, probably not Satan. But I mean, if Satan's like, hey, can I come ask some questions about your Jesus? I'd be like, okay, well, you know, don't like set me on fire or something. But but yes. So, I mean, you know, we just talked about, like, I don't care who asks the questions, um, as long as they're civil. So if it's a civil Satan, uh, great. Um, you know, I prefer you anyways. But, yeah, so, I mean, I want to be civil. That's all that's required. This, this whole room's got, like, one rule. And I, I think know, it's, like, I be respectful. I was just joking, Nate. Uh, I was just joking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounded a little, like, arr. Um, Anyways, but, yeah, I, I don't want people to feel unwelcome. Unless they're, like, you know, raging rage monsters, then, then feel unwelcome. But yeah, I did want to say hi to Michael real quick, and I'm going to have to go soon. But welcome, I, Michael. Hey, you I almost servant like, of the devil. Yeah. Um. Well, no, that devil's devil's made up too. Um. But yeah, I I feel like this is a perfect time for me to chime in. And yeah, I I understand that uh, CEOs, you know, mostly joking. Um. And uh, which is fine, you know. And I would I would reply some, you know, mostly tongue in cheek with, uh, you know, www.thecapodcast.ca, and you can hear me. Uh, talking all kinds of uh, smack about uh, believers of all different faith traditions. But it, it also, I, I found it, it, this conversation was actually really interesting. I sat here with my popcorn for the past, I don't know, every period of time. And, and it was interesting. And for the most part, um, the, you know, the, the conversation back and forth, especially kind of between the believers about kind of different things or points of uh, 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 of doctrine and stuff like that were interesting. And Chris, uh, uh, I, I, I loved what uh, what Chris said, uh, you know, spewing, uh, you know, spewing a massive piece of honesty where he said, you know, sometimes we have to say we don't know. Um, and I've said that many times, too. Sometimes saying I don't know is the only intelligent thing you can say, especially when you don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's 
it for me so far. Well, Michael, how do we get? I, I mean, I don't know how we hold your interest. I'm, I'm glad we do. How do we get a hundred thousand more people to to hold interest, just like um, apparently we can captivate you for? Do you have a formula for that? Well, um, I don't know. If if I knew that, maybe maybe our pod. I'm just going to keep plugging. Maybe our pod, co- our podcast wow. will have downloads from a hundred and nine countries. Um, as long as you don't like give total like layout resources for people to like deconvert from Christianity. No, um, no, no, no. All right, guys, I got no. like two minutes while I make my way back to my room to shut this thing yeah, down. So uh, wrap it up. You all got two minutes. Go crazy. It's more bashing Christianity and less bashing Islam. Uh, sigh. Yeah. Hey, Michael, did you is your podcast address in a Canadian sandwich? Did I hear the ca podcast dot ca? It's like a whole Canadian sandwich. Oh, exactly, and it's dipped in maple syrup. Oh, so he has a Canadian site on the Canadian domain. How else would I do it? Of course I got to do it that way. I don't know, man. Maybe a good dot .com. You got to think about that. A Canadian sandwich. I don't know. Is it, does it have Canadian bacon on it? Wait, Duh. Wait, there was some atheist podcast that was like the Magic Sandwich Show. Do you guys ever hear of that? Oh, yeah, 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 DPR Jones, all those guys, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember those guys. Wow, that's, that's, are they still around? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I know, uh, like, so uh, Ozzy, who's uh, also a fellow uh, Canadian. Um, Ozmandius? He, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he, he only lives, he lives a couple hours from me. Um, super cool guy. Um, anyway, I, he's, you know, he's, he does other stuff. Like, he's, he's a super, like, outdoorsy guy. Um, and I think he's semi-retired now. Uh, he's, he's a professor, but he's, I think he's semi-retired now. Um, and so, I mean, he just, I think he just occupies his time with other stuff, but we chat from, we chat now and again via email and stuff. Super cool guy. Hey, I guess that makes sense why Michael goes less hard on Islam than he does Christianity, because I guess in Canada, you could probably be more likely to be arrested if you go in on Islam than you do Christianity. So I'll take this opportunity just because it never seems to get just because it never right. seems to get drilled through at least one simpleton's head. Um, you ready to clip this? Yeah, um, Islam is stupid. Um, Muhammad was an epileptic wow. illiterate, pedophile. and it's yeah, yeah, pedo- yeah, pedophile too for sure. Um, and it's just as, in my humble opinion made up as every other faith tradition. Was that clear enough for you, doctor? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. was would it you, clear would enough? Would you say that Muhammad was worse of a guy than Jesus, though? Just scripturally? It doesn't even compare. It doesn't even come near. No, well, no, well, I just want to hear Michael um, say it. That's all. You want to hear me say what? Would you say that Muhammad was a worse person from the scripture, what you've read about both, than what Jesus would be described as? Oh, yeah, undoubtedly, yeah. Like, I doubt very seriously that... Um, that, that even if even if all of the things about both of the people are true, the one the one leg up that Jesus had is that he didn't marry a kid. That he didn't rape, he didn't murder, he right. didn't command those type of things. He didn't worship a god that condoned those kind of things. Right. I, I don't. Sorry, what? Right. You, the only thing you're listing is that he hasn't married a child. When there's he, when he has other attributes that far exceeds those of Muhammad. Like why why child marrying? Yeah, why did that careful, careful Kevin or uh, Trudeau will show up at his house. I, th- I think the difference between Jesus and Muhammad is that Muhammad had political power. I mean, that's the if Jesus had gained political power, we would have been able ah. to compare how they used it. But that's.
Actually, the, the political power was at the grasp of Christ. He just did not take advantage of it. If you look at the, the history of that time, people were waiting for a Mashiach to actually get him from under Roman rule. And if you look at the discipleship he built up, that was actually one of the motivations why the Caiaphas and the high priest wanted him crucified because he was gaining too much ground with them and the Messiah uh, uh, prophecies. So Christ did not uh, take on the role of saying, I'm not doing this. That's why you see them ask the question twice, especially in, in Acts chapter one. Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And then he had to show him again in the scriptures what it is that he's meant to do. So he, he never he, he so the ability to go to war with Rome was right there. I mean, it was right oh, there. Oh, but he I, just got didn't do it. I got a question, Michael. I have one last question that I'm going to get off here. So I'm not if feeding you the compare... troll anymore, doctor. Save your <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Listen, listen. If you were to compare a Christian who actually keeps the commandments and the, the instructions of Jesus compared to a Muslim living in anywhere in the world who keeps the actual doctrine or the deen of Islam, would you say the Christian is better than the Muslim if they would actually keep their scripture 100% just like Jesus or just like Muhammad did? Yeah, so in case you missed what I said just, just prior before you flapped your guns. Oh, I should have asked this question before you decided to get on your high horse. No, no, I just decided, I've, no, I've just decided I'm not feeding the troll anymore. So I'm, I, no, I, I, just I just wanted to hear you bash Muslims. That's all. I, I know you'll bash cool. Muhammad in the Quran, but I know you won't bash Muslims. Cool. Whatever, man. I'm not feeding the troll anymore. Okay. As we learned from it's always sunny in Philadelphia, peace be upon them. Don't pay the troll toll. All right. So I'm going to title this uh, Good Christian People and Muslims Having Fantastic Loving Conversations. That's going to be the title of this. Of this. Hey, Nate, if you want to keep it open, I can keep it open for a while. Maybe me and um, Yeshua. All right, let it be known if I come back uh, next week and I'm and I'm banned. It's it's your fault, Chris. Uh, totally not the other stuff that happened today. <laughs> well, Nate, the only thing I'd say is that if you title it something like that it'll never show up because no one would ever type that into a search engine. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So uh, everyone have fun. And oh, uh, yeah, I guess I need to make a mod. Later. All right. Chris, you have the power. All right. With great or minimal power comes minimum responsibility. All right. And if anyone else listening wants to hear this stuff, uh, Click the link to join the Clubhouse app, and then you can. Um, as for me, peace, guys. Happy weekend. See you all later. Take care, Nate.